Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and this one is a certified banger. Uh, obviously going to do an intro, but this guy definitely does not need an intro. Um, in his past life, he was a privateer, supercross racer, uh, 1125 main event, and then in the next life, he was the general, the dude that was responsible for one of the most insane action sports movements. Uh, and then in another life, he is the dad of uh, one of the only female NASCAR drivers, um, Danger Boy. His son is going to be in the professional Supercross ranks really, really soon. And it's just, man, he's just an, he's an incredible dude. Uh, so it, this was a bucket list podcast. Like I said, he doesn't need an intro, but you're getting one anyway. But man, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed talking to Brian Deegan. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet him a couple of times, but we never really had anything to do with each other more than that in the States. So this was my first conversation um, realistically with Brian. And yeah, it was awesome. We think three and a half hours, but we could have gone for a, for a lot longer. So um, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll get through the ads and then we'll get into this episode. The guys at Manscaped have just launched in Australia. And look, we have gone years without using the right tools for the job here in Australia. And now you can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products. I mean, dude, I personally needed this. I really let myself go through COVID. And honestly, I didn't even know if the Manscaped products would be enough. I can tell you right now, the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is insane. Manscaped have totally redesigned this electric trimmer and the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Now, let me tell you, what that means in layman's terms. You are not going to cut your nuts. It's over. The days of bleeding balls are done because of the guys at Manscaped. If you head to manscaped.com and order yourself the performance package, you are going to see exactly what I'm talking about. If you're listening to me right now, I would love for you to experience this firsthand yourself. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. The Gypsy Tales podcast will thank you 
I will thank you. And most importantly, your balls will thank you. We're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. Uh, We are taking off on an idiotic trip across the Nullarbor um, of Australia. It's 4,500 kilometers one way, 4,500 kilometers back to do one day of racing. Um, I'm excited, but it means that I'll be going to MX Store a lot. Uh, I've already been, I think, four times this week, and I feel like I'm probably going to be going to MX Store more than the grocery store um, until Manjimup. So all you need to do at home if you need anything for your dirt bike, any parts or accessories at all, you can head to mxstore.com.au. You can do click and collect if you live in the Gold Coast area. Um, But if you get your order in uh, by 2 p.m. on a weekday, it's uh, same-day shipping. So you pretty much live uh, next to MX Store wherever you are in Australia. Uh, We're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com, the best gloves in the game i literally could not tell you the last time i put on another pair of gloves that weren't fist it's well probably 10 years because that's how long these lords have been killing the handwear game once again fisthandwear.com use the code gypsy gang to get 15 or 20 percent off i'm not, not sure type it in uh that same code is going to work at dixonquality.com.au I was actually feeling the fit this episode, to be honest. Uh, I was rocking Dixon flannel. I was rocking a Dixon tee. Uh, and I was also, a little special plug, rocking the DR3 merch, Daniel Ricardo. Um, so you can head to dixonquality.com.au if you want to shop uh, the coolest flannels in the game, in my personal opinion. And I think it's shop Daniel Ricardo if you want to get the beanie or his new line of merch. Uh, that stuff is legit. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com. 100K, they're giving away at 110. Get amongst it. Uh, I got some new graphics coming up for the 350. Got some other stuff in the works as well. Um, it's been a while. It's actually been too long since I put a fresh Rival Inc. kit on. So, got some Rival Inc. Going to be going down on the bike pretty soon, uh, as well as a Thrill Seeker seat cover. We're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. You can head to Boost dot com dot au for australia's best prepaid uh, data packages these guys absolutely kill it i do the 300 240 gig lasts me pretty much the whole year uh we stream a bunch of stuff on it upload a bunch of videos off it um we've been with them for years by far the best uh and we're also brought to you by the guys at cricks tweed head to cricks dot au if you need a new or used vehicle uh anywhere in australia that's it. Uh, we've got new merch. Head to gypsytales.com. Uh, that stuff is going awesome. Thanks to Sam, dog. Um, if you know, you know. Uh, like us on Instagram or follow uh, and then subscribe to the YouTube channels. We are going to be blowing YouTube up with this one, hopefully. So, um, yeah, that's it for me. Brian Deegan, just, I yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think I need to do an intro to this one. This was one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Um, not not only just for what Brian's done um, in the past, there's just like, there's so much more there that we didn't even go into. Um, but I'm just so pumped on it as like the duty is now with what he's doing now. I just, yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of respect for the guy and um, I'm a massive, massive fan. Uh, I hope you are after this three hours. Cheers. Papa Brian Deegan. 
<laughs> yeah, well, there's there, the uh, kids. That's some that's some <laughs> good kids, man. Yeah, it's oh, it's a good sport, right? Keeps no, no, it keeps you busy. Keeps the kids busy where they don't have a lot of time to do much else. Yeah. So, so hey, do you, do you you can drag this mic a little bit closer as well. Like the closer um, right. it comes, the bet the better it'll be. Yeah, that's right. perfect. Cool. Um. All right, man. Well, hey. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast, man. I uh, I've grown up watching Brian Deegan uh, and and appreciating the work that you have done and now I'll say that I am looking up to you uh, as a guy that hopefully one day I'll be a dad and I can tell you that I look up to you more for being a dad now than uh, than any of the motocross stuff and and you know talking to Hayden like you've honestly made me a fan of your kid by showing the, the, the work that he puts in and the, he's getting up before school and and man like there's just there's so many other ways your kid could go you know like the yeah. son of Brian Deegan is affluent can do what he wants to do good looking kid there's a lot of ways that kid can go but getting up at 7am prepping a supercross track to put in motos before school like <laughs> you did good Nah, thanks yeah it's uh never know man you never know like i didn't expect this you know when i was growing up i didn't think oh one day you know i'm gonna be a good dad i don't know what that means but yeah i was like yeah it's you know especially with my run with militia and and all that you know going i guess i just the type of guy that goes from like so far from one side to the other and i just that's what i like to do Cause I like to experience yeah. life, you know, from all, from all sides, you know, I've been to the lowest of lows, the highest of highs and, and I'm glad, man, I'm glad because I've lived life of like 10 men, you know, so I'm, I'm stoked on that. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole few hours just in, just in <laughs> unpacking that. But yeah, I mean, I think maybe that's what even makes it, um, more special on your end is just to. Cause like, dude, you're still in your prime, really. Like, you're a pretty young <laughs> for dude. what? You're super, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, you could still be doing what, like, essentially whatever you wanted. Like, if you still wanted to be like a rat bag dude, <laughs> like, you could do, you <laughs> yeah, could yeah. literally do whatever yeah. you want. You know. So like, yeah, I've the, thought about it. Th- <laughs> 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 you know, trust me, that I'm a man those thoughts like I talk to everyone about this you know I'm pretty open like I'm a man I have thoughts right I have man thoughts you know it's not no secret like I my wife knows you know it's a you know my kids know like at the end of the day it's you know I gave up a life of like I don't know you know I gave up a life of like getting to travel the world and, and uh, having the full attention on me and getting to do whatever I wanted and whatever I felt like you know and uh, that definitely gave that up you know to be a dad and, and it was you know not easy to give up those temptations but uh yeah I'm a guy that still thoughts go through my head I'm like oh man you know you think about that stuff but it's all sacrifice dude it is what it is and and so why why sacrifice that uh, I think I got to the point where you know, I, I traveled the world. I went to Australia. You know, went to Australia on tour every year. We went, you know, so many different countries and really lived this lifestyle that, you know, I grew up 
pretty you know serious about racing didn't really drink a beer till i was probably like you know 1920 and and you know i was pretty yeah. you know i didn't want to i was all about focus of training and racing and you know, i didn't drink soda i didn't eat can i was just like so wanted to win and uh and then you know that day came where i walked away from racing and supercross because i felt like it kind of did me dirty and you know, whether, you know, later in life, I kind of realized it was my attitude, but, you know, I went to freestyle motocross, helped build that sport and that movement. And I got to be who, I, who, who, I, who I wanted to be at the time. Right. So I got to like, yeah, yeah. I can party. I can be crazy. I can do whatever. And I'm getting paid to do it. And more, more crazy stuff I do, the more I get paid. And, and so, and that just fueled the fire. And then I said, oh, yeah, we got to travel the world and, and be rock stars, you know? And, and you just guess you get to a point where you're like, all right, I've been there and done that. And you keep doing that and doing that. And you, you're like, wake up, you know, the next day you're kind of like, okay. Yeah. And you know, at some point you just like, ah, I did it. I had, you know, whatever. I lived that life and I did it and can't go on. I guess you could go on and do that forever. Like some, some rock stars do that, but yeah. um, it was time for, yeah, yeah no. And I, I can name of tons of them, but you know, at the end of the day, I guess it just came down to like, what is the next chapter? Where, where's the next chapter? What's the next challenge? Right. That's my life. That's a, like I wake up every day. I'm like, what is the next challenge? Like, I just like being challenged. I like accomplishing things. And, and I felt like I already kind of milked that for what it's worth in the freestyle scene. It was time to, to go to the next challenge. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely, you can play a character of yourself, right? And when there's mm -hmm. a, when there's a uh, incentive there, to be the person that people think you are and then it's like mm -hmm. the more and i mean i feel that on a small level with this like i know i can yeah. say some shit that's gonna <laughs> make a lot of people listen and it's gonna do this it's gonna do that and yeah. that that is like a temptation but that you know there's like i guess i've feel like i'm in a lucky position to have seen and known a bunch of big people and that have yeah. kind of they've got to the they've got to the place where you think you want to get to and then they've all realized like ah this comes with like some extra baggage that's probably not worth it but it's like mm -hmm. in your position you know you're getting these huge checks and the the militia brands pumping and you're, you you know like you're this fucking rock star god dude literally and <laughs> and you know you kind of you yeah you sort of get to a point where you know you you are just playing this character is that did that is that how it felt to you uh yeah i mean obviously you turn it up i mean i think anyone with any wisdom that's making a living off you know being a character or entertainment realizes that you have to turn it up when you get on the mic you get and you're entertaining people you're entertaining the crowd of course you're gonna turn that up and you know we were yeah, i was good at that for sure but did we really live that life yeah and was you know uh yeah, I, dude i many i don't want to say many but there's nights you know i've got to get bailed out of jail and certain things like that yeah like that was real like that really happened you know so it wasn't like you say oh it was a show well, eh, kind of but uh so but yeah you, you you go from town to town the hardest thing was going from town to town night after night and uh we were like you get wore out because you're trying to, you still, I still have to ride. I still have to flip a dirt mm. bike and things that are dangerous. If you, if you're hungover, if you're, you know, can't do it, it's, you're going to pay the price. And so you still have to be somewhat, you know, on level. And then, then you're going town to town. So every place you go, everyone's fresh and ready, right? They're like, Oh, you yeah. guys just got to town. What do you need? We're going to party. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then we're like, dude, I'm just like, just 
starting to feel better right now and like you're right back into it right back into it and I think that was probably one of the harder parts you know like trying to keep up with that so that burns you out pretty quick yeah no definitely man like you um yeah you're so right like you rock up to the next the next city the next uh the next town and then that yeah there's just all these people that are so hyped to see you there but it's (laughs) like hey dude i'm 10 days old right now (laughs) yeah 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 you're just like dude here we go again but anyway yeah it's i'm not complaining i'm just saying the realities of it you know yeah 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 no it's um it's it's just cool to see such a a a 180 in a way and like you seem like you've just fully been able to let go of all of the things that came with that in terms of like yeah like you said being the center of attention and and you're so Mm. you're in this position now where you're so giving to Haley and Huxon and Hayden and it's really like you're making it about them so much when when yeah like people still would tune in to just watch you Mm -hmm. if that's what you chose to do yeah you know i think there came a point where i i mean long story short i was really with hayden you know i was i really didn't want hayden hayden to race we we, me and and my wife marisa were just against it we're like you know what let's not go down the racing road Uh, i was really not into it like it left a bad taste in my mouth like like for what I had to go through with being a privateer mm. and you know when it went in a supercross to like being a top five guy in the points and not getting a, not getting any support and um that was tough for me and I really didn't feel like I, I didn't feel really connected with moto when I left uh even though I loved it it's always been my passion right I've always stayed up with it but we rebelled like we went anti-moto anti-racing and we went full freestyle motocross and a lot of people don't realize like when that started like we were anti-supercross and motocross guys like we were the guys like fully opposite like we didn't want nothing to do with that and uh and then eventually they merged together once you know freestyle guys once our generation kind of moved on and then, and then the other guys came in that were like, oh, that's cool, man. I want to ride a factory bike. I want to have cool gear. And we're like, gear's lame. Like, we wore shorts and t-shirts, right? Like, we were like, we wanted to be skaters. We wanted to be snowboard guys. Like, we, we didn't, you know, on dirt bikes. And like me and Metzger and, um, you know, not Pastrana, but like uh, there was that, that movement of the few guys that were the rebels in the beginning that set this standard i'd say a lot of people don't realize like metzger was one of the ogs with being a rebel like he was just such a, he was a fast rider he won loretta's he was a sought after amateur but he was one of those dudes who just got got it like as far as like like i am different and i i'm into you know tattoos i'm into pierce all the things before it was cool um and then uh he's like i'm gonna wear snowboard pants when i ride and that's when he he introduced me to a lot of people like volcom and you know etnies before it was even volcom you know we were like one of the first athletes there and you know we were wearing volcom vests at anaheim supercross when we were racing like that was before even even anyone thought about that and and so it was just such a cool movement i mean he was the first one to wear baggy jeans while he rode like and you know and we all yeah. kind of followed suit of that you know i don't know i just thought it was such a cool time and era and movement and you just you know then it faded out and and i will never be repeated dude it'll just never will so my point with that is i walked away from racing i didn't think i was ever gonna go back to be honest i loved the sport i went and watched the races this that but you know, I went when my son 
started riding for fun and he would you know hit the little jumps and stuff and me and like twitch and feist everyone be hitting the ramps at my house and you know hayden would be there just watching and he was so into it and then then uh he he got into the dirt bikes and at some point he just asked me to race and i was like oh man i don't know i want to bring him to the racetrack i didn't even like kind of know where to start it'd been so long you know and, and um yeah. so that was probably 2012 13 and i'd been all the sports since 99 and uh, so anyway, we go to a local race and I take him there and he's in the beginner 50 class. And, and I just, we were like just starting again. And, and anyway, this, the, then he raced and I was like, oh, I did good. And then we ended up putting him into, we had him in the wrong class. Cause I didn't even know what class to put him in at the time. You know, I, then we put him in the right 50 class and he like, I was like, Whoa. And he's like, no one can beat him. And I was like, Oh, and then that was it. I was like, here we go. Cause I'm so competitive. And then we started going back to Loretta's and all the nationals. I'm like, dude, he's fast. And I was like, so then obviously that's, it was like, you, you know, and, and your kid, I guess what I noticed too, if your kid is, is any bit shows any desire into something that you love, all you need to give me is just a little bit. Like, I'm like, okay, he loves dirt bikes. He likes racing. That's all I need. I'm like, I'm in 110%. And, and that's where we ended up and why we're here today. And Hayden's, you know, with KTM, and he's on the brink of, you know, a factory ride. Everything that I didn't get. So, I don't know. It's pretty cool to see it this time around. Yeah, dude. Honestly, like, I'm 32 years old, Mm -hmm. and on Sunday, my dad rode his motorbike to the track to watch me and my brother ride. And two weeks before that, again, I'm 32, my brother's 30, my parents loaded up their truck we loaded up our shit we drove six hours camped in a field and did an eight hour enduro and my got there late my dad changed my tire like there's not many of my i don't i don't have many friends that aren't in motocross that are still as connected to their parents as i am i'm a 30 year old man and i still (laughs) hang out with my parents most weekends you know like so just forget the factory ride forget the you know what a motorcycle can do for you professionally like i love my parents so much and i hang with my parents so much and that just that in itself to me is worth having your kid in it i mean you know the connection that that you have with your kids through this is and in a like in an era dude like not many not many families have connections with their kids you know yeah, because there are so many distractions now with the phone and this, that. A lot of access to more things now. But I agree. Was there ever a point where, like, you were, say, 18, 19, where you're, that you were kind of pulled away from your parents? Was there ever a time where you just kind of said, you know what, I've got to go do my own thing and, and kind of separate for a while? Or were you guys always close? Nah, man. Honestly, like, I've pretty much always been real close to my parents, but. I don't know if you know, so I lived in America for like eight years. Mm-hmm. So I, I lived in Temecula. Yeah, so I lived in Temecula from like, well, in the US, but I moved to Temecula when I was like 22 or something like that. And I was, it was in like 2010. I actually, I've been to your house a couple times filming. Oh, right. And um, yeah, yeah, like years ago, actually with Cade Mosig and Josh Hansen. Um, okay. But yeah, so I mean, I kind of, like there was a gap obviously from like living halfway around the world but in terms of just mm-hmm. close like i mean me and my dad kind of came to heads over just like 
work shit like i pretty much never got a job like i just always had my own business i was just like i'll be a fucking i'll be a bum working for myself before i get rich being working for someone else so that was kind of where the Mm -hmm. clash come but i mean yeah dude through dirt bikes like that's sort of been the rock that keeps us coming back you know yeah and i agree i mean that's i mean there comes a point I don't know. I think it's yeah, raising a you know a daughter, then you know boys. It's all different. But um, you know, Haley yeah. going to NASCAR was hard for me because I'm not a NASCAR guy. I, I mean, we were did what it took for her to make it. I mean, she rode dirt bikes a little bit when she was young, but I just saw like that for my daughter that I'm like the future for her in motocross was not the future I wanted to give her. Like I was like for my daughter, yeah. I wanted. To put in the Good effort call. in work, it, you know, but I, you know, I love the time you spend with your kids at the races. So, hey, if you have a daughter and you're at the races with your daughter, and you guys are spending that time together. Great. It's priceless. You know, if there's not an end goal and, you you know, great. Oh, well, like then you're spending that time with them. Great. But for me, I always have an end goal and I'm like, we're working towards something always. So for, for Haley, I'm like, if we're going to put this much time into something, I want there to be an end goal that there's a big payoff. So I said, you know what, let's get into car racing. And that's when I started, you know, I was into off-road trucks uh, once I got out of yep. moto and, and uh, rally cross and made that transi- transition. And then I got Haley into off-road carts and karting and, and she started getting her skills in four wheels. And so I said, okay, there's a big future for females uh, in car racing, just huge opportunities. And uh, so I said, let's go down that road. So that brought her to, you know, off-road and dirt, which there's not a huge future for for girls in off-road and dirt, Um, but there is a NASCAR. So we went to the pavement track. We did what we had to do to get her there. And so anyway, that snowballed. But the problem is there came a point where, you know, she's 18, 19 years old and you're like, okay, is she going to, she's racing for Ford for um, a NASCAR team in Charlotte and she has to be at the race shop, you know, every day pretty much. Mm. And I'm like, do we really like NASCAR is not my world. Like that's not where I feel comfortable. That's not my people. And, uh, so, you know, but I still thought it'd be a great future for Haley. So anyway, that sport kind of caused separation for us because she Mm. had to eventually be around her team and keep flourishing, which I feel like as a parent, I installed everything, instilled everything I could in her at a young age that she should be fine. She should have a good future, but sport, separated us because that's NASCAR and we're moto mm. and and I didn't probably think that one out good enough <laughs> and I just thought hey let's just go down this path so anyway I thought you know what maybe we'll spend a lot of time in North Carolina the boys like being there that's you know Hayden likes riding there with Dax Dax and Benick and so we have a good riding spot there but if you're in dirt bikes you have to be in Southern California or in Florida. And that's my opinion mm. on those. And um, and you got to be in Southern California to get on a team to make it to Florida to train. And, and so knowing mm. that, I'm kind of like, well, we can't leave California. That's kind of where we got to be. So anyway, that's why we're still here. And, uh, you know, I, know that I don't like it here. This is for me. I get a, I love riding dirt bikes still. And so Southern California, there's like, dude, 10 tracks within an hour of my house. So, you know, it's, it's the place to be. Mm. Um, but, you know, getting back to what you said, you know, like with Hudson, who, you know, my youngest at 11 now, he, he, uh, will he make it as a pro in supercross and motocross? 
I don't know. Like odds are stacked against him for sure. Like he, his passion, you know, he, he likes riding, but he doesn't take it as serious as Hayden bottom line. So, um, but you always see like the Malcolm James scenarios. You always kind of have hope, right? You're like, yeah, the little brother may kick, kick into gear at some point. Right. So he has the, he has the opportunity and the tools in front of him with the tracks and everything at our house. But if I can just ride dirt bikes with him, as in when we're older, like go spend the day at the yeah. track or go ride, ride in the hills, you know, and, and enjoy the, the, the lifestyle of two wheels. I'm happy. I, I accomplished my goal. Like I am okay with that. But with Hayden, we yeah. set a goal to be the best, to be a champion. And we are not stopping until we figure out if that's going to happen or not. And, and dude, like I just spoke to him for 15 minutes. That's his goal as well. That ain't your yeah. goal. living through him that's his goal yeah and i that's good good but like i said it's i always say talks cheap and in you know when i see a kid getting up at six seven in the morning to go running to go ride his mountain bike or go you know ride his his motocross bike then okay now now i'm now i'm impressed now i'm yeah now i'm I'm a believer you know now i'm believing okay like you know that's just how i am like i yeah show me and i'm back if hey if you want i'll go running with you dude you want to go ride i'll ride motos with you let's go like whatever like that's just the way we are at our house you know and the cool thing is I always say, show me a show me a mom, and I'll show you if the kid is gonna make it in motocross. And and because uh, mm. it comes down to it comes down to that too. Because if the mom's always babying the kid, oh, you know it's okay. Or you you know you crash, you'll come, you know you, you let's baby him. Um, then you're gonna struggle. You know, I, the good thing I have mm. with Marisa, she's 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 hardcore and she's like she doesn't take <laughs> any crap. And you know, Hayden, like if, if the bone ain't sticking out of the skin, is like get back on the bike and finish the race. So that's I got at least that you know good part on the other half. Yeah, man. I I like I said to open it up. Like I look up to you as a as a dad. You know, just by seeing. Obviously, it's social media. But I've I've met you in person a couple times. I I feel like I know the the drill with what you guys have have got going on and and yeah man it, it really it does seem like you're out there willing to walk the walk with him you, there's no kind of handouts and then there's obviously not this crazy pressure because if there was this crazy pressure it'd be on Huxon the same way that it's on <laughs> Hayden but it's not like yeah. you know they're different kids and you've got this different kind of um you know this different kind of deal with them but yeah I mean mm-hmm. to the the moto thing like I definitely was a when I was a little bit younger, like I'm kind of getting to the age where I'm like, Oh, I'll have kids here in the next few years. You'd think. And, and, uh, yeah, I was like, Oh man, I don't want my kids to ride. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then I went on it. I went on, um, this trip, not last year, the year before with my dad, we rode 2000 kilometers from literally my uncle's backyard in Cairns to the very tip of Australia. And it took 10 days. We rode, I just rode a, I just rode a 450 motocross bike and dad had his bike. We had like a crew of us. And I just thought on that, on that ride, I was like, I will never forget this. Like I'll be an old ass dude and I will never forget doing this ride with my dad and you know mm-hmm. to, the to have something and like if you took that away from us mm-hmm. then like we don't have that much in common <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah. No, like that's the you. that's yeah. the thing yeah yeah i hear you on that one man because my dad my dad was a superintendent of the school system never rode a dirt bike in his life 
And uh, yeah, our conversations are really sh- quick and short. You know, it's like, hey, how are you doing? Good, yeah, yeah good. Yeah, how's the weather? You know? And like, yeah, we don't have that racing to talk about. And and, and I don't know, yeah. is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. It's it's uh, yeah, it's just so non-existent with my with my dad. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like, I've, yeah, the the you know to have Haley moving away and to have her mm-hmm. like with everything that's going on like I mean I could see from her end like it just being hard to keep up with like all mm-hmm. of the different directions that she'd be getting um pulled in and I mean to for my own personal like to give you in terms of like my relationship with my parents like for example mm-hmm. my mom I'm super super close to my mom like a full yeah. mama's boy but I mean, I just, I don't really reply to that many texts anymore. And she lives like 45 minutes away and I, I should make more effort than I do. And, you know, but like I do, I just get, I get inundated with shit these days. Like there's a lot of messages. There's a lot of scheduling. There's a lot of like, there's my brain is constantly thinking about like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and yeah. unfortunately like the, so, I mean, this is to me to like maybe defend Haley's position a bit. I'm like, dude, my mom knows I love her, right? <laughs> and yeah, that's probably yeah. the, the same thing where she's like, dad, come on, man. Like, I, I love you. I just got me shit to do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I get it. Like, when I left home, you know, 18 years old or 17, whatever it was, when I graduated high school, like, I took off to California for Nebraska and I was like, I'm not turning back. And I really probably I mean didn't call my dad that much at all you know just because I was on a mission and I and uh yeah but Mm. I mean we talk almost every day now but um yeah yeah it's part of you know growing up it's part of that deal yeah and it's it it's just those seasons that you go through right yeah yeah and I I think at the end after after all you have to realize like you have to be able to trust your family and your family is like they say they really are the ones that should always be there you should always be able to rely on your family and you can't like you can't pick your parents and you can't you know it's like your brothers and sisters i mean in your family you're not getting rid of them they're there you know so yes i feel like those are the ones that you should really like support each other no matter what yeah no i agree with that um so when you were when you were having kids and you kind of had this mentality of like you're committing to the kids and you're like all right we're gonna do this what were like what were your biggest fears given the fame that you've got the money that you guys have got the privilege like uh, privilege is such a loaded term so i'll just like i'll lay that out there because like exactly what you just said of like you can't pick your parents so you get Haley. And she's born into this world. She got no control over the fact that her dad's famous, the fact that you guys have money, like all this, that's not in her control. So you can't, you know, the the privilege loaded term. But, you know, but then there is a reality of like, she ain't ever going hungry. She ain't ever going without the things that she wants. So, but there's kind of like a problem in that, right? Because like if you didn't have an easy life, you had a pretty tough road and you have to be real self-sufficient. And I I bet there was a bunch of times where you're at a gas station tripping out on how you're going to pay for fuel. And in her case, (laughs) you know, that's probably not the case in in any of your kids. So like as a parent that's in that position, like what are the fears that you've had for your kids? Yeah, I always wonder if like success skips a generation, you know, and I feel like I've thought about that. I've Mm. studied that. 
uh, there's a good book called Outliers, and it's a it's a book that uh, explains how why people become uh, successful, and uh, it's a really good book. Like uh, you should check it out. It's on Audible. That's the way I listen to most of my books. I'm not yeah. a great reader. I will read if I have to, but I like I I listen to Audible so much better. So anyway, uh, that is uh, you know something that you worry about like, cause I worked super hard. I didn't have, you know, I came out here on no money and I, you know, slept on my buddy's couch, you know, when I lived with Metzger and I like slept, you know, on his floor basically until I could afford to pay for a room. And then, uh, it started from there. And I just, I just remember I only had enough money to literally buy bread and peanut butter and jelly. Like that was like my deal. And I could, yeah. I made enough money on the local pro races that I could pay for my gas and, and, um, you know, my truck payment to go so I could keep going but I was so driven not to go back to Nebraska. Like that was my goal. Like I'm not going home. So I really, you know, really went out going to meet people and, and tried to try to uh, open my network. But like I had to do that. Like that was my sink or swim deal. And, and uh, so now, and that was, you know, before social media, before cell phones, all that stuff. And um, so the, the point is with my kids, yeah, they, they like literally Hayden walks out front. And he's got a supercross track in his front yard. He's got works bikes in the garage. You know what? Because I like that stuff. He had a 50 that was like yeah. a works 50 because I like that. He don't care. Like at the end of the day, that to me yeah. was badass. Like I didn't get that when I was a kid. So I built that. Like, but how do you make them appreciate it? And that's the hardest thing as a parent you always want to spoil your kids. You always want to give them kind of what you never had, but you have to take time to teach them. It takes time. Discipline takes time. And a lot of people don't want to take the time to do that. And I felt like I have stopped what I'm doing to say, you know what, Hayden, here, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to wash your bike. Let me show you how to do the filter. Let me show you how to like these things. So he understands it. Otherwise it's really just my fault. But I feel like, yes, Am I worried my kids are going to be too spoiled to really want it and really succeed? I feel like, yeah, that that thought crosses my mind, you know, but I've always been pretty strict like, hey, if we don't reach these goals, then this is going to happen or or you're going to have to go do this and you're probably not going to like to go do that. So let's do this. And um, but yeah, I, it's half the battle. Half the battle for sure is um, your kids. You know, they have they have everything at their beck and call. I mean, the best life if they want to take it. And um, I don't know, man, that's the toughest one. I haven't figured it out. You know, I figured out how to make my kids yeah. champions, you know, but I don't know. You know, I don't know how long will this carry and how long will I don't know. Like if I step out of the picture, are they going to be OK? I don't know, man. It's a, you know, it's a tough question. That one's a tough one. Yeah, man, it's, uh, I could, I could see that being the thing in your, <laughs> in your mind. And, and, you know, if you're, a, if you're a good parent, like that is probably the thought. And, and I mean, dude, from my own personal experience, like there were points in my life where if you asked me as like a kid, I mean, I don't know what age, maybe like 14, 15, I would have said I hated my dad because really? of though it was shit that, yeah, dude, for sure. Cause he was a hard motherfucker, like hard yeah, yeah. dude. Like yeah, we, yeah. we, I mean, there was times where dad was building like an extension on our house and we weren't allowed to ride. Like we could only ride on the weekends and dad's like, yeah, man, sorry, bikes are over. Like we got to build this shit. And he's like, you, you're helping. <laughs> and there's no, there was just like, we complained about <laughs> it and we like, 
yeah he was just like dude this is what it takes like you have yeah. to do this and i like it was like months of not writing because we were helping dad put a roof and you know like build all this shit and then it was like i just resented the dude for it yeah. so much as like this dumb kid and i look yeah. back and all of the things that I would have told you as like a dumb teenager, like I hated my dad for this. They're yeah. the lessons that now are just like so valuable to me. I'm like, if I didn't have that, if that yeah. dude didn't like grill me so hard, I actually wouldn't be even close to the man that I am. But as a parent, like, and now I've got this different perspective of like looking back at you know dad being so hard on us like he probably didn't want to do that like it probably wasn't fun yeah. for him to to do that but like in his head i mean i'm sure he knew like this is the shit you need to know to be a good human in the world going forward and it's like yeah. suck it up right now and now i've got the perspective where i'm like damn i'm a hard working dude because of that <laughs> yeah and the bottom line is it's it's no secret right uh the the discipline you teach your kids it, you know you you teach them at a young age is what comes out in the future you know you want to baby your kids oh it's okay it's okay and like oh you know you always will have money you always have a car you're always gonna have a phone oh you want to stay on your phone all day oh no problem what do you think you're doing what do you think you're doing to structure to mold mold this human being you know and it's like you know oh they got older all of a sudden they have no respect they're they're in trouble all the time that you know they're and you're like, uh, yeah, that's the structure you built. And it, and it hurts me. Like yeah. I say, it hurts me just as it hurts you when I got to discipline you. But it has to be done. And um, trust me, I hate it. I hate discipline. And my wife's always like, you need to be more strict on the kids. And I'm like, because I'm more, <laughs> believe it or not, like I'm pretty passive. Like I let a lot of stuff slide until, until finally I met my limit. When I meet my limit, that's it. Then I snap. Then I'm like, this is gonna get done right now. You're gonna go do it, and, and that's when they're like, uh, "All right," you know, like, and they listen. Yeah. But you know, I just I don't know. I feel like I'm the kind of the typical dad, you know, because <laughs> you know, dads are usually pretty <laughs> go with the flow until they get mad. And but no, I agree. If you don't take the time to teach your kids how to work when they're young, they're not gonna do it when they're old. You may get lucky. You may get lucky, you know, and and they may pull it off later. And a lot of people are like, oh, they can do video games now and make tons of money. They can do the social media make tons of money you know what it's still work like at the end of the day it's all still yeah, work like, dude, right? Yeah, right we have a youtube channel and is it we don't just wing it you know we don't just film on our phone hey what's up and then post it and it works like no it's it's work it's a job and it takes time it takes hours and, and uh that's all learned through through growing up how to work and how to take things serious how to understand the value of a dollar like all that got, has got to be taught when they're growing up, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I can't stress it enough and I've lived it, you know, and I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared. And my kid's going to be spoiled and like, you know, and, and be these lazy, you know, parents that expect everything. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't I think I've made it with the first two pretty good. Hudson's still young, you know, so he's, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I don't know. I think we've done all right job so far with with what we have like we're a fortunate family we've been blessed we have a lot of stuff i mean what more could i ask for you know i have enough everything you know i, I always say what what's enough like how much money do you really need like you know and, and i you know there's a point in my life where i chase money so hard and i was like man i just want to make millions of dollars i want to 
keep stacking money and and um and then it got to the point where I'm like, man, how much money do you really need to be happy? Like our success, uh, what is success? And and then the more I became a parent, I'm like, man, I just really as long as your family is, is you guys are together and love each other and you know all have each other's back, I'm like, that's pretty good. I'm think I'm fine, you know. So I don't know, just one of those deals. Was there um was there a point like literally was there a dollar sign where you were like, fuck, I don't need more <laughs> than this. <laughs> I don't think anyone has that, right? Everyone wants more money. Um, but no, um, I have a number that I said, you know what? When I get to this number, that's my retirement number. That's the number I'm going to be like, okay, we're good. We're, we are set. We'll never have to work again, which whatever that means, which I'm always going to work, right? Um, You'll work but, it every day. And working, I mean, I love it. That's what I want to do. And I've been, you know, I have been fortunate enough to build a career upon having a fun life and doing what I want every day and getting paid to do it. You know, I want, I don't know if I'm getting paid to do it, but I'm making, I'm making, I'm part of the system. I'm part of the system, you know, big fish, little pond theory, motocross, supercross, the whole industry. It's a small pond. You know, as much as when I went to NASCAR, I realized how small motocross was. You know, I was like, dang, the sport that I thought was so big was so small compared to like NASCAR or football or baseball. So anyway, I just felt, you know what? I love moto. I'm going to try to be big fish, little pond theory. And and that's what we've done. And, you know, I've been able to do well for that. And like I said, I have a number in my head. And I said, when we reach that number, that's our that's our retirement number. So, yeah, I do have I do have a number. Is that being reached or not yet reached? <laughs> I'd say, yeah, it's been reached, but in a way of net worth, you know, I'd say, you know, like I'm not a big guy that just sits on, you know, just let's stack cash. I, you know, I like properties. Yeah. I like businesses. I like stocks. I like, you know, I, I like things that create profits that, that grow. And, and I've learned that over the last so many years. So yeah, you know, net, I've reached by far surpassed my goal in, in property and net worth for sure, <laughs> for sure. But you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, I'm always still building because I enjoy that, you know? Yeah. I quit, yeah. yeah. And, and the way yeah. that, and the way that you, uh, the way that you do build is like fun stuff to do. Yeah. Like I didn't have to do a YouTube channel. You know, I didn't, we didn't have to mm. do that, but I'm like, dude, we're, we're doing all this cool stuff and I'm posting this on Instagram every day and Instagram doesn't pay me crap. You know, I'm like, so why am I building this network for these guys? And I'm like, what network can we film and just post our life and, and have it pay us to where we can use that money to pay for gas, pay for the rig that's going down the road, pay for the driver, pay for the mechanic. These are real expenses that cost six figures a year plus some. Okay, so yeah, the YouTube money that comes in for ad rates, which it's built over the years, it's doing good, but that goes straight back to the system, the circle of racing. And uh, so mm. I always say, give you know, give back to the community, and that's kind of. What I what I, what we do? We're, we're giving back through with our social and our network and showing, bringing new people into the world of moto, because you know we we have like yeah. I said over a million subscribers on this dirt bike channel, and um, we're bringing in a lot of new people to the sport, you know. And so anyway, that that that's that's feeding into the ecosystem of, of our racing world, and and um, it's it brings money in, we put it right back in, right? We're we're like you know, paying to go race, yeah. paying to go to this track. But you know, buying whatever in the dirt bike industry, paying and employing people in the in this industry, 
So yeah, I mean, we found a way to keep feeding the machine. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and sorry to push on the money thing, like, but I mean, it's in my good. head, um, you can look up in my head. Like, thing, I mean, the, no, saying, sorry. The oh, first I thing I you look up, no, 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 no. The first thing when you Google Brian Deegan, like, that's like the first thing that pops up, and I'm like, it says Deegan's yeah. net worth, like, and it's I don't know, it's a big guess, I guess, at it, but it's funny that that's like the first thing that comes up, and but whatever, yeah, yeah it's all good. Well, it's just, it, it's interesting, like, um, so, I mean, this this whole Gypsy Tales thing is definitely getting more successful, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Like, there's been yeah, years yeah. of work that's gone into it, 10 years of living in America like a fucking bum, um, yep. trying to make something completely different happen that didn't really happen, <laughs> you know. So, there's a lot that's gone into it, and now it's starting to do better, but like you said, mm-hmm. it's a machine. I got employees, and I got, you know, that sort of yeah. stuff, but... I mean, dude, literally last night, man, um, I went for a walk with my dog and I walked through some different streets and I just mm-hmm. saw this house and like, I don't know, it was just a weird experience. I was like, I'm, I'm not like a things guy. Like I don't really have nice things. I've got like nice dirt <laughs> bikes and the th- like my next thing that I want to do with money is I want to make like a really legit jujitsu gym in my <laughs> basement. So I, cause yeah. like, I don't have time to do my normal classes the way that I would mm-hmm. like to so i'm like okay i kind of need to do it here now but anyway so i i i was walking and i saw this house and it was literally dude last night first time in my life i looked at a house and i was like dude i've maybe soon like i'm gonna be able to live <laughs> in my own house like and it was it was fucking crazy to to have that feeling and and money's always been a weird thing for me because it's something i've, I've just never even had i've never been able yeah. to have I've mm. never seen like a roadmap to making that kind of money. <laughs> so to to hear like that's why it's interesting to hear you talk about like I had a number, I had mm. my this headspace because you know to me like I'm new to that world of even thinking about my future, <laughs> dude. Like that's yeah, the yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. place I've been living in for so long. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's foolish to think you know where people are like, "Oh, I'm not a materialistic guy. I don't I don't care about money." Well, you're, when you get married and have kids, you're going to care about it. You know, the bottom line is because if you yep. want to give your kids those opportunities, you know, like I, I get, I deal with a lot of jealousy and, and, and uh, I don't know, uh, I'd say different emotions. You know, when we came back to racing, you know, you have a lot of parents that are, you know, they get these mini dads, which I'm, I was, I'm one of them, you know, mini dad that gets all dramatic with your kids when they race. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like little league parents. <laughs> and so, and I was, yeah, I was the, I was the guy running around the track chasing my kid on a 50 for sure. But, um, so, but you get those parents who are like, well, you know, Deegan's winning because he's got a factory bike and he's got the best suspension. He's got the best motors. And I'm like, you know what, dude? You had the same opportunity as I did when you were younger to go and break yourself off, take big risks, take big chances, and get paid. I did it. I went out and, you know, broke bones and, you know, took huge risk. And, and, and uh, there was no internet. We put it on ESPN and, and it was on, you know, all over the, all over the, the, the TV. And I did that over and over and over and got endorsement deals and, and, and sponsorships and, and stacked money. And now I'm able to give my kids cool stuff. Bro, you had the same chance, man. I always, t- I hate to put it br- brash, but I always, you know, hey, these kids, I'm like, well, tell your dad if he wasn't such a pussy 
then you would have the stuff too, dude. Like, don't get mad at me, bro. Like, don't get mad at me. Like, I am the one who sent it, and who cares what I have, right? I have what I have. Go get what you're going to get. We're all in the same world. We're all in America, bro. Like, this is a free country. Go send it. There's the internet now. Go hit a big jump. Go make some money, dude. And I and I get it. That may sound brash, but dude, whatever. It's it's reality, dude. Don't get mad at me because I took big risks and got paid and give it to my kids, dude. I could stack it in the bank and and make my kids go freaking go to school and not even touch it. But I didn't choose to do that, you know. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can sugarcoat it for you, but that's just kind of how it goes down. Well, I mean, that's kind of not what we do here. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, good. Nah, that's why I like yeah, what Jet Lawrence said the other day, you know? And, and everyone's like, oh, whoa, you called Moseman whatever brainless and da-da-da. And I'm like, cool, dude. That was a good interview, man. That was good. Like, he's a kid. He's a he's a teenager. And he's like, speak your mind, dude. That's what the sport needs. We don't need more guys with just same answers. I always was so anti that in racing. If you have time, look up 1997 LA Supercross and see what I did when I won the race. See what I said on the mic. That, to me, was what the sport needs, in my opinion. You guys, like the top factory guys, like, oh, no, we need, you know, that's not it. But you know what? That's what brings entertainment. You're selling tickets to a crowd to fill a stadium. Tell me they're not there for entertainment, okay? Who's the characters? The characters, you know, are the writers, you know, so, you know, Jet Lawrence gets the biggest cheers in the crowd because he's a great character. He's a great personality. He says what he is on his mind, you know, and, and I think that's what he needs to keep doing. And hey, there's one thing, too. So I always thought, just say it, you know, if you can back it up, that's even icing on the cake, right? That's even better. <laughs> you know, yeah, I get you go down yeah. the list of guys who are pretty good talkers and characters and they didn't win. Yeah. Oh, well, but they, you know, they still probably got more than the the other guy because they're a great character and um you see like wwe wwf whatever is built a whole biggest industry UFC, on it, right yeah. ufc's well yeah, come on you tell me the ufc care they, they aren't getting this guy to fight with this guy and and you buy into it like oh man that's a good these guys hate each other i'm gonna buy that pay-per-view it works every time right so you know why why is this not in motocross why is people haven't figured this out jet lawrence is figuring it out I'm sure when he sees Momsman, they probably laugh, giggle, whatever. Like, you know, they ain't like fighting in the pits, but, you know, great. Mosman should come on there and be like, you know what? You know, this is what I think of Jet. You know, that's kind of the reason rebuttal he should have, right? You know, it, and it would be fun. It brings people to this. Remember, um, uh, Stuart, right? Stuart, you know, I was good on the mm-hmm. mic. He always had the battle with Chad Reed, and, and they hated it. That's good. I mean, that was great for TV, man. I just, I don't know. That's just the way I am. And, and dude, think about this, right? So I had Sleater in here yesterday and we were yeah. talking about the whole Jet thing. Like we watched his clip and oh, dude, I've <laughs> known Jet since he was a kid. So like he's yeah. one of my boys forever, you know, yeah. like he can never shit the bed as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we we were talking about it and it's like, okay, so you got that kid that says maybe, he's, maybe he went too hard on Mosman, whatever, that's open to interpretation. <laughs> but you've got that kid that's willing to say that in an interview and then that same kid is willing to ride up to Joe Schmoda who just beat him in a main yeah. event for, you know, like a lot of money and then throw his bike on the ground and just like hug his friend and just yeah. like lose his shit because of like how happy he was for his friend. So it's like, 
the the problem in motocross and this is a big thing that i've tried to be like an advocate for and like on this show like i try and just say whatever because it's what should get said it is that like if you if you're gonna squash a guy like jet if you're gonna shit on him for saying like you shouldn't have said that about Mosman, this is wrong blah blah if you're gonna squash that then you also squash him hugging his mate on the podium and being that excited for his friend you just kill all of it so you yeah. got to be really really careful in the sport from like a media and a fan perspective of like shitting on people because you shit on the bad then you're not going to get the good and people yeah. have to be very very careful and it's the same thing that happened with james dude james was just like fuck this i'm over it dude like i don't need this <laughs> yeah, shit yeah, yeah. and yeah, then yeah. you don't and and you don't see the good from james stewart because you were so critical on the bad and it's like yeah. that is the problem with these with you know not embracing everything that people do you can't have you can't have the super hype jet that's pumped for his friend while also shitting on that part of him so why why do you why do you think that that why do you think you can't have one without the other what is the what is that do you, you know what i'm saying because everyone wants to see the great side everyone oh that's okay but yeah, yeah don't don't do the bad side why do you think that that how do you think that so because ha- i work so i think what it you know when like all right this is the analogy you know <laughs> when you you've got a you got a pretty shit chick right and mm-hmm. you you're dating this chick and it's like she expects this certain reaction out of you like she's coming to you saying her day sucks and her boss sucks or whatever and then instead of like being able to just say the shit that you want to say like give her the proper advice like hey he's your fucking boss he's allowed to say what he wants to say suck it up you can't say that right so you give like the sugar-coated version and then like so you just wash it all down you water it down you say the boring podium speech just so that you just in case the reaction isn't perfect (laughs) <laughs> that's what these dudes are doing you, yeah. you end up you end up saying like crucifying the dude for like speaking on Mosman or saying some dumb shit or whatever right so yeah. then every time he's like oh man i was just saying what was on my mind okay so i can't be myself because it's all like i i need to nail the reaction so specifically just to just to get by on smooth sailing so yeah. then they just go look path of least resistance i ain't saying shit i ain't gonna be happy i ain't gonna be sad i ain't yeah, gonna be up yeah, yeah. i ain't gonna be down yeah i'll just i'll just give you i'll just give you it's just the chick i'll just be like oh man your boss sounds like such a dick that's so bu- oh, that's what a bummer <laughs> man like yeah fuck that you know but instead yeah. you need to be like pull your head in but you don't so you don't say the things that you want to say because you just know that if you don't get it right you're gonna get roasted yeah, and then there you have NASCAR drivers right there. That's the that's the exactly why you have the NASCAR drivers you have that say what they say at the at the at their uh, interviews because they stay in that gray, they stay in the good that that uh, non controversial area because yeah they don't want to do the Goldilocks zone. Yeah, yeah, which. I, motocross is a gnarly sport. Jumping dirt bikes, hundreds of feet, landing on each other, breaking bones, blood, guts, this, that, highs and lows, and yeah. and uh, you need to let that come out, right? That that needs to come out. And, and yeah, if a rider just got done racing and he's got some aggression, dude, let it say it, man. Let it out, like go, like you guys don't understand if you've never raced a dirt bike that when you take that helmet off, you're in a different mode. You're in a like like 
basically beast mode kill zone like you're like i couldn't even remember what happened during the race like for jet to have enough wherewithal to like hit the jump and flip the dude off like that was pretty dope like i'm like i wouldn't be thinking of that i'd be thinking of like like i'm just pinning and i gotta like i don't know i'm just gonna i'm racing like i don't know he's kind of smooth and like okay yeah you pissed me off i'm flipping you off over the jump i'm not in the just racing and the podium position right now and, and so all that stuff's so cool and i love to see it and i agree it shouldn't you shouldn't be crucifying these guys for that stuff you're building them up which which they are you know i think the media guys are jumping on that you know the one thing that i find it very um two-sided and double standard which i don't like when i watch like say a sport of nascar where they're like oh you have to be a certain way when you give this interview but we're gonna blow that like when you said something or you punched that guy or when you said the wrong thing we're gonna put it front and center on everything and make up your mind which mm. one do you want you know which you know which one gets yeah. the views you know and and i hate yeah. like i can't deal with that like that's why i like moto like let the dudes say what they're gonna say you know i feel like mac duke had a lot more to say with everything that happened to him in the last few months few races i'm like this dude's got to break out of the shell and say something but i really think that's him i really think he's just a nice guy and was like you know i just got yep. taken out and it just ruined my championship but you know i'm not even gonna mention that and i just really had a rough day i'm like that wouldn't have been me. I'd have been like, this motherfucker, like, he took me out. He ruined, like, I worked my whole life for this, and this dude doesn't get it, and he has revenge on Pro Circuit, and he's taking it out on me. This is bullshit. Like, I don't know. I would have been that more of that guy, but maybe that's just not him. You know, maybe that's not him. You know, every guy is, is, is a little different, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, dude, you're so right, man. Like, that was uh, the, the probably the most famous example is when Conor McGregor threw the dolly at the bus. <laughs> remember that yeah yeah and then so like well another right, so i'll finish that example yeah. but you got the so he throws the dolly at the bus and then everyone just like fuck on mcgregor like that's a blah 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 yeah. and then what is in the highlight of every single <laughs> every single commercial that you see for that pay-per-view which was the biggest pay-per-view ever ever and every dude i would have seen that dolly hit that bus a thousand and seven times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's like, for example, where I got fun when I won the Supercross and Ghost rode my bike over the finish line. And, uh, and they f took my money, AMA fined me, took my prize money, which was a whopping $1,000. And and, uh, and then, of course, what was on the highlight reel of Supercross, dude? The Ghost Ride. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, bro, which yep. one? Make up your mind, dude. Like, you know, anyway, yep. I, you know, but then they go, well, we have the entertainment side, which is, you know, Feld or, you know, Clear Channel, whoever it was at the time. And then we have the AMA, which is the rules. There's two separate sanctionings. There's one that's entertainment, one that's rules. So I'm like, okay, I, I get that. I wasn't on the, 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 the best side of the AMA by no means, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, but you're so right, man. Like, even in Australia, like, our NASCAR, like, the V8 supercars, mm -hmm. man, Chaz Mostert is one of, like, the young up and... Well, not up and coming. He's, like, one of the young, like, hot dudes yeah. and wins a race, does a donut in front of, like, thousands and thousands of fans, and then they, they find the guy, and then <laughs> they use that in the commercial for the very next weekend, and you just, like... You're just like, come on, guys! Like we've got to, we've got to let these guys do their thing. And and I always talk about the UFC, and people probably fucking get sick of me talking about it. But it's like they've figured it out, man. Yeah. And even Dana White, like that, that sport has a figurehead, right? Yeah. That 
you know, so he goes up at the press conference and then, so they just have this amazing card last weekend in Florida, sold out stadium, first time in a year. First question is about Jake Paul and the, the, <laughs> the CEO, the CEO, a billionaire goes, why the fuck are you asking me that question? Fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. talking like, like that yeah, yeah, he to does. the he media. Can. He can. We all can. I can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, because yeah. like, and people need to just get their head around it. Like we're, yeah. we are in this like weird old school. I mean, I know for TV and stuff, but mm-hmm. hey, works for them. They let it fly. They mm-hmm. build. I'm not saying that Dave Prater should get on and start swearing at everybody. <laughs> like that's not my, my message, but you can embrace these things a little bit more. Like what Jet said is so PG 13 about Mosman yeah, and it's even too. a topic. It's like, come on, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, yeah, exactly. So PG. So who would be the Dana White of Supercross? Prater. I want him to be <laughs> is that <he> guy. Really? <laughs> is he? All Dude, right. I, w- I would love, I've never met Prater. I follow him on Instagram. He never yeah. messages me back, but like, <laughs> I want that dude to just start, I want that dude to start coming up. And, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there's room for it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, super, it'd be cool. Supercross, if they had their their figurehead, their guy. I think it used to be Larry Huffman, man. He used to kind of give you the last guy that carried the torch properly, you know? Yeah, he, he wouldn't make it too far in the PC culture today, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that the problem is Feld is like family company, Disney company. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's oh, just... Yeah. Yeah, it's. It, it, I just don't think it's possible with Feld. I think we're barking up the wrong tree on that. Yeah, on yeah, that one. yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I get it. I've you know I've met, met met the Feld family, and, and yeah, they're a family that yeah they're not they're only gonna push so far for sure. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, we we sort of touched on the YouTube channel. It's definitely something I'd love to really yeah. talk about. Um, because I don't think I know how hard it is mm-hmm. to have a million YouTube subscribers because I have 50,000 subscribers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What you guys have done is mind-blowing. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I sort of mentioned it to Hayden before when he was on and we were having a chat, like, hey, dude, you are doing work for this mm-hmm. sport. Like, you are an ambassador in such a a crazy way and and the sport of like i want to be at hayden's first supercross race to just to see the line of people at whatever team he's on like it is gonna be crazy dude and i i mean i don't know if you you can see it coming i don't know if he can see it coming but like i don't think you guys have any idea even the impact until you know that first kind of supercross race but like dude you're bringing a whole audience and a platform to this sport and and i don't think you're celebrated enough for it i know you're not out here trying to be celebrated Mm -hmm. for it um but it's extremely special what you guys have created and the work that it has taken for you guys to achieve that is absolutely phenomenal thank you no i really appreciate that like I, I beat my head against the wall sometimes, man. Like I, I, I look at the numbers and, you know, there's months we had 10 million views a month, you know, and, and uh, that's, that's a big numbers. Those are numbers that companies fight for just for their marketing and their like big companies. I, I can, I run our numbers against, you know, all the top energy drink brands. I run them against all the top action sport mm-hmm. brands and we are better, you know, if not equal to close to the, the biggest brands sp- spending millions and millions of dollars to market their companies we are right there as far as numbers 
And, um, and you know, was that our goal? No, we were just you know, going to film our family. We we're going to film what we do because every day we do something, I think, pretty entertaining, pretty cool. You know, if it's just the mission of, of raising a young kid in a sport to be a champion, I mean, there you guys are able to follow along with that story. And, I mean, just think, there's going to be a lot of people that have watched, you know, watch Hayden since he was a little kid to, you know, God willing, be the be lining up at A1 or whatever it is, that first Supercross, and, and they have followed that, that whole journey. If I could have followed James Stewart since he was a little kid on video, I would have been like, dude, I would have been all about it. I would have been all over that, right? I'd have been mm-hmm. like, dude, what's he doing today? Like, I'd be just Ricky Carmichael. I'm sure he probably had the coolest upbringing with like, you know, they didn't have a ton of money and they, you know, he, what he did to get there, what his parents sacrificed and they, you know, they don't get enough credit still to, I feel like either the parents are like, you know, that story is being told and I, and I, and I wish more people would tell their stories. You know, that's one thing I, I think people could do more. Everyone you know, has a phone and every, you know, YouTube's open to anyone, but to get to the level we're at, yeah, we have three full-time filmers, editors. Um, these guys are on payroll, right? They're, they're, you know, they're working out of an office. They're, you know, it's growing, you know, it's growing by the day. And, and, um, for, for two wheel moto deal, I, you know, I think it's become one of the biggest channels in dirt bikes, you know, And, and, um, you look at the, the numbers and, and I've sent those numbers to sponsors, you know, and I think it's weird because sometimes like I feel like the majority of the sponsors don't get it. You know, I don't I don't know. Maybe I mm. feel like sometimes I'm barking up the wrong tree and I'm just kind of like, do you guys understand how many how much numbers this thing's got right now? And, and I don't know if they're just like, well, we, yeah. we already got you for free. So I don't want to bring it up. You know, like I don't really want to talk about that. But, you know, um, I don't know. It, you know, like I said, it, it's growing. We're going to keep at it, keep doing it. And, um, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the next steps are. You know, I all I know is we save all our content. We have archives of hard drives of terabytes of, of, of just years of, of documented footage. Content's king, man. It's content's king. There's always going to be platforms. There's always going to be new places to put your content. Now we're you know starting to you know regurgitate like you know Facebook came at us and was like, man, we got a lot of good old content, man. What do we need to do to start getting that back up? Like like and we're like, okay, what what are we talking, man? What what what's our CPM? What's our ad rates? What are you know what are you guys willing to do? Like so like all this stuff is is valuable and, and um so I don't feel like we're I don't ever feel like we're wasting time because worst case, we always have this documented library of our life, of our kids, of, you know, if I could look back at what I did when I was in fifth grade right now and pull that footage up, I'd be stoked. But all you're going to see is like I maybe a picture on Facebook I found from some high school girlfriend or something. I don't know. Like, like if you're lucky, yeah. if you're lucky, you know. Anyway, I feel like we have a lot of cool documented content and, and uh, our YouTube channel is our main form of where we're pushing it. But, you know, new stuff's coming up all the time. You know, Instagram's now just starting to monetize. Uh, IGTV is just starting. Uh, you know, Facebook's been monetizing for a while. And I, and I, you know, I get, I've had a few older guy comments going, you know, why do I have to watch ads every time I watch your content? I said, okay. Just know, like when you pull, when you open a magazine, let's say you open Racer X and you're like, wow, there's an ad, there's an ad, there's an ad, there's an ad. Are you mad at, at let's just say, uh, are you mad at Tomac when he's in, a, in an Alpine Star ad? Are you mad? Are you, are you going, that's, no. cool. oh, that's a cool shot. You know, he's railing a turn. Uh, that's cool, whatever. No. So the point is, when you see an ad on, on uh, 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 YouTube, like such as our YouTube, know that, that that's, 
paying us, right? So that's good. That means there's money going into the system. That means I'm getting some pay to go pay for my gas, to put in my motorhome, to put in my coach, put in my filmer's pocket, my filmer's food, uh, you know, their flights. All that's thousands and thousands of dollars to generate to give you a, a video at the end of the day, which we try to do four or five videos a week. Remember when it was one video a year called Krusty Demons or Moto Triple X? Do you remember those days? Yeah. Well, those days don't exist yes. anymore. Those videos happen every day now. So my point is yeah. that takes money. And, and uh, when you see ads now, be stoked. Be like, hey, that dead rider's getting paid. Like, and, and that's why we say support the people in our sport. When an athlete's doing a video or doing a doing a, a product line, support it, man. Like, like so when you see an athlete putting out a product, and it may be a little more expensive than the other product, who cares, man? Support that product, dude. For sure. That's my opinion with with riding, with racing. And I was so competitive when I raced motocross. I I hated the competition, and I'm like, why was I like that? You know, and was I just, is that just the way it was in moto? And then I did X Games, and everyone was cheering on each other, like. Pastrana's going for the double backflip. I remember talking to him backstage that night, and, and I'm like, wow, man, that's crazy, dude. Good luck. I like, I really, hopefully you pull that off, because if you don't, this is going to get gnarly. I remember that conversation. Yeah. I wasn't like, man, I hate Pastrana, and he, I hope you don't make it, because I, I want the attention tonight. Like That didn't exist in X Games, man, Like, but it exists in Moto, right? So my point is, if there's other competitive companies within Moto that athletes are doing, support it. It's all one small little ecosystem family, and everyone needs to support everyone in it, you know. And I get it's the same thing with media, same thing with racetrack, same thing with promoters. Oh, I don't like that promoter. He doesn't do this or that. We need to get all the amateur nationals to our track. You know what, dude? Support all the guys. Support it all because everyone needs everyone needs uh, to survive in this sport. And this has been the best years we've ever had in amateur motocross. Sold out. You can't sell out amateur motocross. Like, they'll keep selling those entries. They don't care. But, yeah. you know what I'm saying? They just <laughs> keep lining them up down this down the field. But the point is, you, you this is the best years we've ever had. Quit complaining, man. This is the most people have ever spent on motocross. Bikes are sold. You can't even find a dirt bike right now. You can't even find parts right now. Yeah. Dude, this is the best it's ever been. This is the full reset. Okay, so right now there shouldn't be anyone mad at anyone. Everyone should be supporting everyone. All we should be worried about is how do we get more people that don't know what a dirt bike is into this world? That's all we should be focused on right now. And so I think that's why going back to the YouTube, that's why we appreciate people's support because I think that's what we're doing with our YouTube channel. Man, I can tell you the messages, like the, the volume of messages that I get about like, Dude, I just like send me a picture on Instagram. Dude, I just bought a 2000 RM250. I haven't had a dirt bike in 15 years because of the podcast. So that's yeah, me with yeah. 50,000 subscribers. So like what you guys would be doing for this sport and it's like people you're so right like people need to get off whatever fucking hate wagon that they're on if they are on it and just fully embrace it because it's like a rising tide floats all boats and what you guys have done like you've definitely like you've lifted the tide like if we're all we're in this industry like we're all coming up with that mm -hmm. so like for me to see the the impact that that this channel has and then times that by fucking 50x to you guys and it's like a younger audience as well it's just like man it's a super special thing and you're right dude like it takes so much work like before ronan started working here 
Um, so shout out to Ronan, by the way. I got like 18 year old kid, just fucking kills it. Moto kid, come on board. Super hard worker. It's like massively helped this business. But before that, dude, like I was over it, man. Mm-hmm. Like I literally had put everything into it. Like I was so. I like hated myself because of how much I had to listen to my fucking voice <laughs> doing this podcast. You know, like it is just this crazy grind and it takes like a lot of money to make this just a sustainable business that you can actually keep posting the videos. It's like it is so much. That's why that's why there's no other dude out there with a million YouTube <laughs> subscribers, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Cuz yeah. it's so fucking hard to do. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. That is a good point. You're like, why is there not more? Because it's there. YouTube's there. The the cameras are at the store. Like, uh, why why are you not building your own YouTube channel? You're right, because it is a lot of work. It is. It is. When you're already like trying to work on your dirt bike, trying to get to the track, you know, trying you got to document all that and edit it and put it up and make sure it's good and you know you're not putting anything bad out. Like, but yeah, no, I. I agree. It is a it is a ton of work. That's why there's not a ton of podcasts in in moto either. I feel that have hit. Um, you know, you have your go tos, but you know, I try. You know, I did the podcast thing last year. You know, I because I got approached by um, Podcast One, big podcast network. They brought me to to yeah, you know yeah, L- to yeah. L A. Hey, we wanted to do this deal with you. So I, I said I did. I committed to one a week, and and it had to be a certain amount of time, and they got to edit it and do all this stuff. So anyway, it was one of the coolest things because I got to have these in-depth conversations with people I wouldn't normally speak to that long. Like I competed with Travis Pastrana all my life. Uh, never yet did I sit down and have an hour conversation with him. And I did that with my podcast. Yeah. I, that was a really cool thing that podcasting does. Um, but it got to the point too for me. I'm like, okay, I got to put this episode out. I got to put this out. And, and, and the bosses are like, hey, man, here we go. We got to get it done. So for me, I didn't like working on on a on a on a schedule like that because I'm so all over the board with my kids yeah. and everything. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna take a break from that season. And you know, when I'm ready, I'm gonna relaunch my podcast under my terms, under my thing. Maybe it's gonna be live on Facebook. Maybe I don't know. I'll decide where I want to do it. But I want to do like live guests, like they come on and have multiple guests, and and we cover subjects. And I think it is. You know, like I said, we had a lot of a lot of um, uh, subscribers on our podcast. But I said, you know, what? I'm gonna take a break for a while and let me rethink my next strategy because it's work. It takes time. And, and for me, I'm like, it took a lot of, it was more than just an hour of my day a week. It was a lot more than that. So, you know, yeah. and, you know, it just is. However it is from calling the guys, hey, let's let's make this day work, this day, oh, that day doesn't work, I have to cancel. Like all this stuff happens and you're just adding up another thing. And for me, did it turn a big profit for me? No. Like I didn't, like end of the day, I had a partnership with, you know, Podcast One, they got the majority of the money. I mean, I, this is fine because I had to learn how to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, man, for the time I had, have in my life right now is this the well-spent time and I just it wasn't so anyway I'm gonna revisit that because I think podcasts are awesome it changed my life I listen like I'm a type of guy that has to learn all the time so when I'm in the car I listen to a handful of podcasts that are educational of business and marketing and all the things I want to learn you know Bitcoin all the all the new money things I'm always trying to learn about this stuff so I listen to podcasts all day long I have a podcast list of guys that I listen to and I think it's just the coolest thing to learn like you can just learn so much right like on podcasts i don't know i think it's cool yeah dude i think that there's um there's something really special about getting to 
you know spend such a long period of time like for me to you know pick your brain about the non like cliche stuff i guess like the stuff that's not going to go in a magazine like about you being a dad and you know stuff like that i mean that i think it's the podcasting like really lets you like have a legitimate conversation with somebody mm-hmm. that because that art's gone now you know like to sit and talk for three hours face to face with no phone or anything like that it, that that's doesn't happen in real life yeah no i hear you it's um it's weird man i don't know i'm a different generation now and you know especially with the covid deal hitting in everyone you know working from zoom I don't know. It's kind of weird. The face to face, like I don't know, like the 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 interactions are different, you know. It's uh, I even think about that with my kids. It's just there, you know. That's why I felt it was so important. I felt it was so important for my kids to go to school, you know. And Hayden wanted to get homeschooled so bad, and I just said, you know what? That interaction with other kids, especially in an environment that they're not looking up to you, like when you go to the motocross track. Okay, yeah, it's a different vibe. Uh, mm. Right, and they show up and it's like, oh, you know, Hayden is put on a certain you know level, and at school they don't care. Like you know, there's kids at school that pick on him. There's there's kids at school that are his friend. There's kids that you know, like it's the real life, right? That's life, and and so uh, yeah, that's why I thought that was super important. You know, Hudson goes to school every day, and Hayden is now homeschooled because of covid deal that happened and we started homeschooling him and we're like you know what he got on a good training program so he's riding three or four days a week and he's right at that brink of turning pro you know and and i'm like yeah sorry about time i was fighting it i was gonna say not till 10th grade but you know he's ninth grade so i was fighting it and i finally gave in because of the whole pandemic thing hit and i was like we got used to it and i was like you know what we'll just stay homeschooled But I always say, man, you don't get your work done or you start slacking and you're going back to school. You know, we'll put you back at your school and it's not a big deal to me. He'll be fine. I mean, he went to school all the way up until <laughs> last year and I'm like, he was fine. He was winning nationals and winning everything. And and I'm like, he went to school every day, <laughs> you know, and I like had it took him out one day a week to go to ride, you know. So we did it. But anyway, like so, yeah, that that interaction is super important. Haley got homeschooled about ninth grade. Which for a girl, I was okay with that because they kind of miss all that high school drama that happens with guys and girls. And so I was kind of okay with it. I was like, yeah, it's probably not a bad thing for my daughter not to have to go to high school if I was a dad, right? So anyway, she got out of it. But um, yeah, I think it's super important that the interaction with, with face-to-face with people, 100%. Yeah. I'll, uh, I want to touch on a bunch of the Hayden stuff yep. in a sec, but that that podcast that you did with Travis I actually didn't know that you did that <laughs> what was that experience like for you guys because dude so straight straight up first video I ever like did a clickbait title I don't know if you've seen it pop up on YouTube but it's uh Travis Pastrana going Brian Deegan was the real sellout yeah. and it's almost <laughs> got a million views it was literally the it was literally the first video I ever clickbaited and I was like I was fucking tripping posting it eh? yeah. because I was like dude I know this will get like good views I'd literally never had views on youtube <laughs> at this point and i'd met you in i'd met you in person a bunch of times i was like dude deegan's actually the nicest guy i was like i hope he's not pissed off at this yeah i i, but, I mean in that video yeah that's oh, how sorry, go ahead. that's how i figured out who you were yeah that video right there that was the one that came on my social media i'm like 
what the fuck is this? And I'm like, I was like, what is this? I'm like, and I was looking at it, I'm like, and it was Pastrana, and I look, and I, and then I was like, I have to watch it. And so I watched it, <laughs> and I watched it, and I was like, oh, all right, I see what they're doing here. And, uh, but it was cool because Pastrana, I like how he said it. And of anyone who could say it, he could say it, right? He's, he has the credibility to say whatever he wants to say. But, um, yeah, and it was cool. I like how he, how he played it out and I thought it was funny, but yeah, that's how I figured out who you were and how, how I figured out every, how everything was on that. That was probably, that was a good play though. It worked. I assume that's probably one of your best viewed videos for sure. It is still to this day my best viewed video, dude. So, so what? <laughs> so fucking let's let's see if we can get it to hit twice. Yeah, I want to clickbait the shit out of this next one. But like, what what's your response to like that? Like, what was your mindset in you know to what Travis was talking about? Where like he was always being himself mm-hmm. and playing like he. I think he was so. I think Trav was so naive to like yeah. it. It seemed like you were the one that had the long game for everybody, and, you, and everyone else just had to do their thing. And it seemed like you kind of had the you had the map laid out, and everybody just had to like play their part, and it was going to work out for everybody. But you had to look like a bit of a dick to make it happen. Yeah, I felt like you know the bottom line is I always had a plan. You know, I always had it. Like I say, till to this day, I've I have plans, right, for everything. And and I had a plan. You know, I said, okay, we're going to X Games. Uh, people are starting to pay me to put their logos on my dirt bike. And I, that's when I was like, man, why am I not promoting my own company? Like, why are people paying me essentially to make their brands cool? That's why you sponsor athletes. That's why you. Bottom line, why do you pay an athlete to wear your brand? Because they want you're making it cool for them. That's the fact. So I was like, why am I trying? Why am I doing this? Why am I not promoting my own brands? And that's when I said, you know what, you know, and and I had met Larry and a few of the guys, uh, and we, you know, the militia thing kicked off, and I uh, and I was like, okay, I'm representing the the militia, and this is, you know, we're we're the we're the evil side, and we're all black and spikes and. Pastrana is the good guy, and he really was the goody two-shoe guy, you know. And uh, so we did turn that 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 whole image got turned up on on ESPN. And I'm like, you know what? Here we go. We got the cameras. We got all the attention. We're going for it. Like we are, we're throwing this one all the way. And 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 it blew up. And you know, people got behind it. And we were the dudes for. We were representing all the all the people who got in trouble, all the rebels, and we represented that. And Travis was the good guy. And yeah, that brought us a lot of endorsement deals. I mean, dude, I had the biggest endorsement deals, and we were like the roughest dudes, which is pretty cool. And uh, so I know Travis said, "Oh, that's a sellout." Like he took his shot, but I'm like. Yeah, I, I guess it's a way to say that we capitalized on 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 who we were and our image for sure. And I think he, you know, he did play the good guy, and he was the the goody two shoe like like uh, you know. I mean, we started all qu- American, all boy. American boy, to the point where we even started questioning him. We were like. We're like, you know, and at the time before, you know, whatever, this was 20 years ago. We were like, he's so goody tissue and he's so this that. And we were rebel dudes like partying after the event and getting in fights and this and that. And, uh, and uh, he, I was like, does this dude, like, who, what, who is he? Like, what, what, is he even like girls? Does he even like, is he even like, 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 is he even party? Does he even like, you know, that is he even a true, like, 
badass dirt biker, you know, and that's kind of like the way we saw it, you know, or like, like, who is this dude? Like he walked away from racing, uh, you know, and at first I'm like, man, he just walked away from factory ride and all this, all the things I wish I had when I was racing. And it, and it, at first I had a lot of questions, dude. I'm like, is this dude even really, is he for real? Is Travis Pastrana, is, is he for real? That was like kind of my deal. And I was always kind of not anti Pastrana because he, he was a guy who took the gold medals, man. Like, you know, he was a dude taking food off our plate. So, uh, yeah, we had it out for him for sure. And, and, and then at some point he just kept playing that goody tissue deal and uh at some point i'm like is it is that real is it is it a hype is it this that and uh it took me many years to go you know what dude the dude was so gnarly did i I watched him do so much gnarly stuff that i had to respect him i had at some point i'm like dude he may act like like a total dork but i'm like this dude does gnarly stuff like i'm like he does stuff that i don't want to do and i so i have to give him credit man and he earned my respect because i really did not like Charles pastrano at, at, for a while there yeah well it makes sense too right like there's a couple of different levels yeah. like this is this is the kind of stuff i just love about dirt bikes i yeah. love these storylines <laughs> and trying to get in the minds of like how this stuff played out because he he was like the antithesis of you as a racer yeah. and like got the factory rides and like could never say a thing wrong and no matter what he did he was always like the golden boy and then that was like the racer thing and then you like fuck race and i'm going to freestyle where like this bullshit doesn't exist yeah. and then you go to freestyle and then that bullshit comes <laughs> and starts taking all the medals yeah. and like he it just seemed like this you know i could see it would have felt like this kid was like following you around and just kind of crushing it yeah and and uh, uh, to speak on that as well is like maybe the militia didn't hit as good without the polarity of Travis Pastrana, without that goody, goody two shoes and the bright white night of Travis Pastrana, maybe like the black, you know, the black Sabbath of the metal militia just doesn't hit. Yeah. I like who, who would we hated? Like if he wasn't around, who would we, who are we going against? You know, was all freestyle dark yeah, and evil. Yeah. And he, and no, Travis Pastrana helped build the militia. Like he really did. Like at the end of the day, like he can, he can say whatever he wants. He can hate the metal militia. He was a big part of building it, dude. Like, you know, like you don't have you don't have the the guy in the white hat without the guy in the black hat. Like, you know, he he did yeah. help us polarize, you know, the militia and and uh, at the end of the day, the funny thing is, I think we finally w- wore off on him later in life and he became the party guy. <laughs> I was like, he went from goody t-shirt guy to the party guy like and he, you know, whatever. I get. It. You got to kind of hide it at times to to play the the image you know but uh he yeah he definitely took the turn to be like what what we were he became and uh, that's i think we rubbed off on i think the metal militia rubbed off on travis pastrana for sure (laughs) yeah and it's so cool that um you know you it never got dark with you guys you know like sometimes you can see rivalries and you're like ooh, it's getting dark but it's like it never really it never really seemed like it got dark it was just the right amount of fuel for the you know for the fire and and like i said it there was that polarity you know like you guys were the counterculture and he was the culture that you were counter to yeah, he was the factory rider, but you know what? He he came over, and I think he respected 
the freestyle scene. He, I mean, he brought a lot of innovation over. I mean, he wasn't like really pulled up in. He didn't pull up in the Suzuki factory semi, right? Like he, he yeah, you know, like he came. Yeah. He was the Red Bull deal, and he, you know, he would create these dirt bikes that the bars would spin, or he had like these different secrets. Like he just was a big innovator for the sport. Which I respected, and the one thing I thought, I thought literally, I thought you know he was made a lot of bad decisions when he like left racing. He was a national champion. He could have been probably a 250 champion uh, in Supercross, and you know he walked away from a factory ride to do freestyle motocross, to do action sports, race cars, do all fun things. And I'm like, dude, he I can't like at first I thought he was really dumb for doing that, and. And then I look back at it, I'm like, man, he was the first one to break the chain. He was the first one to go, I am a multi-skilled athlete. I can ride dirt bikes, I can do freestyle, I can race cars, I can, that opened my eyes to go, dude, I'm going to do the same thing. He's the one who paved the way to go, okay, I, once I got out of dirt bikes competitively, I got into off-road truck racing, I got into rallycross, I got in, I'm like, whoa, dude, that just, he was the first multi talent athlete to break the ice and you know i followed suit i jumped right into it you know i won truck championships i won rallycross x games gold and rallycross like and and that was really from what i saw travis do you know and so at the end of the day dude he he threw up the big middle finger to the to the industry and he capitalized times 10 right he, he, he like did what most factory people are like, don't become him because this will happen to you. And you're like, what? Become a multi-time millionaire, and, you know, and create a whole movement <laughs> yeah. in the sport, yeah. right? And, and so and I don't know if that could ever happen again. Like, I don't know if like who's the who's one of the up and coming guys, like not my kid, but like who's one of these up and coming kids. Jet or something. Jet, yeah, Jet Lawrence just gets his factory Honda ride, this, that. And he's like, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go create a new sport and you're going to follow me and we're going to blow it up. What kid is that even going to happen? And could that even really happen again? You know, it's crazy. You know? it, the same could be said for what you did, bro. Yeah. There ain't going to be no metal militia ever again. Like you, you that, yeah. duh, that was a time period, man, <laughs> like that you, you can't repeat. And you were the general. Yeah. You think of that time of the nineties and, and you look back at it and there's, you know, there's the flat build hat, right? The flat bill with the pulled up black socks, 909, 909 long dickies, black t-shirt, like yeah, that you may look at that now and go, yeah, well, that was that's a old trend or whatever. But dude, that was a trend, right? That was like in the seventies. You had bell bottom jeans and in tie dye shirts. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it may not be that cool. Now, all trends come back, dude. They all come full circuit. The mullet, it's back. Like that comes back, dude. Like the 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 militia all black. It's it will come back, dude. Like that will like trends circulate. I'm just happy we created a movement. Like we didn't create a small movement. We created a in Tilly's, in Zoomies, in in Macy's, in Dillard's, like we created a worldwide movement. And yeah, Travis was a good guy. That's cool. He had his own thing. We had the Metal Militia. Like, it, like it's Dogtown and Z Boys. You know, it's 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 a it's a documentary yeah. that one day will be told. And it, and it was such a gnarly lifestyle. And it was real, dude. Like you know, yeah, we turned it up a little more on TV. But like the that really the parties, the fights, the you know the 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 crazy thrashing, blowing stuff up. That stuff really happened. Going to Australia, doing tours. The 
riots happening. Dude, cop cars. Get, yeah, Australia. Like cop cars getting lit on fire. Like Western, Western Australia. Western Australia. Perth. Perth. Perth was like the gnarliest event to ever happen to this day. We went out and built some jumps, started doing freestyle motocross, Crusty Demons of Dirt for a show in Australia. And thousands of people show up to a field, like thousands of people. And they start, we told them to riot. We're like, yeah, let's party. Let's riot. Let's. And so they start tearing the place up. They light cop cars on fire. And, and uh, they had to escort us out in these police cars because the crowd was going so crazy. They, and they just wanted to grab us. And like, it was like rock star crazy stuff going yeah. down. But it got scary because we're like, dude, this is getting gnarly. And everything was getting lit on fire. Well, did you, did you know... Did you know that they were, it was like a lot of bikies? Yeah, so that's one thing I didn't. We didn't know till we got to Australia, and then we became pretty close with a lot of those dudes, which was cool. But they were they're yeah. gnarly dudes. Like it's not that's not fake. They're gnarly. Yeah, dudes. that's not fake. Yeah. That's like coming yeah. to America and, and buddying up with like you don't you just like in America you just with the crips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or like you know you got the the. You got the mongrels, hell's angels. You got like all those dudes that are the you guys call them, you know, bikies over there. They're the you know bike gangs in America. Yeah. Like they're gnarly. You don't mess with them. Like and so in Australia, they're all they're all over there. They're there. That's a big part of Australia. Yeah. And, and those dudes became our buddy. Like we became buddies with the, like the coffin cheaters. With like a lot of couple of the, the the dudes that were like really into dirt yeah. bikes. And so what did that do? Oh, whoa. All of a sudden, we could really do whatever we wanted at that point, right? You're like, <laughs> like okay. And that's when things really got gnarly. Like, I don't know, like stuff you can't even really talk <laughs> yeah, about. Dude. Like, but like that, <laughs> know, that, yeah. that opened the door. Like that, oh, that was like, okay, now we have the keys to uh, anything we want to do. And, and, and so then, then Australia was such a such an old West vibe. Like Australia felt like America a hundred years ago when we were over there. Like you could just practically do whatever you want, get away with anything. You're like, oh, let's blow this up, let's burn this, let's jump that, let's destroy this car, let's do this. And it was all okay. Like it was all right. And uh, and most <laughs> of the cops were cool. They're fans. Like so like. When Krusty Demons came to town, man, like people loved it, dude. Like it, like I remember going through the airport, in airport security even there, like you know, because we go through security and most stuff they wouldn't let you get through security, but they were like cool. They were like, yeah, they didn't care because they were the Krusty Demons. Like they were that pumped. Like it was pretty sick, dude. Like it was good times. <laughs> yeah, I um, I know a lot of the shit that you can't talk about. <laughs> like I've I've heard. <laughs> a lot of the stories firsthand yeah. and I know there's so much shit that, that can't be said but fuck man like the the time that you lived through for where like yeah crazy shit going down bikey gangs in every <laughs> town yeah. like yeah. Just the gnarliest of the gnarly dudes and like I man I remember I remember being a kid like I wouldn't know maybe like 11 12 years old and like my dad's been my dad's rode dirt bikes his whole life like all my dad's friends so my dad's like 29 30 you know what i mean like pretty young dude and then all my uncles are coming over dude first day crusty one i fucking remember it and it was like vhs and all my dad and all his mates crowded around and then we're putting it on and it became like dude every year crusty one crusty yeah. two it just it became like a thing and and the thing that i think made it so big in australia is that we didn't have anything else yeah. 
Like there wasn't, you know, America's so spoiled for things. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, you got Monster Jam, you got Supercross, you got all this stuff, Australia, nothing. Mm -hmm. All we had was these VHS (laughs) tapes with a cardboard sleeve. And like, dude, it just inspired like the craziest movement over here. And then when you guys invested in coming to Australia to just fuck shit up, like (laughs) Australia just went crazy for it. Do you remember at the end of each show, we would like destroy the bikes. Like we would go stride and we'd blow them up, run them into the wall. Like we were destroying brand new Hondas. Like it was like, and then I just remember (laughs) like, like we would say on the mic at the end of the night, all right, everyone, let's storm the like storm the uh, ramps. Let's come down. Let's just cause a riot, and the whole place would go crazy. And and finally, the promoters like, dude, you cannot do that anymore. You cannot stop doing that. You're destroying the whole facility. And like that's what would happen most of the shows, <laughs> dude. And you don't see that. Like Nitro Circus isn't saying storm, you know, storm the arena. Let's destroy this place. Like I don't think that's happening nowadays. No, not at all. <laughs> Nah, dude, definitely not. But man, I I remember and like, yeah, it's that the Perth thing still comes up a bunch. Right. Like I always hear people talk that that were there yeah. and like that was like, holy fuck, bro. It was like legit. It was on the front page it of was the like news. Mad yeah, Max. yeah. It was on the front page of every newspaper the next day. Like cop cars on fire. Like and we would just sit there laughing, dude. Like we were like like Australia, that Western Australia, that first show. Like, that was, like, Woodstock. I couldn't say. I guess you could compare it to Woodstock. Like, it was a, a, a event that will never yeah. be, like, forgotten. It was so it was so crazy. It must be so gnarly to be in the position where you fly in and you've got, like, yeah, the coffin <laughs> cheaters or the commentators or whatever, and they're like, boys, no one can touch yeah. you. Do, say, be, whatever. The cops can't touch you. No one else can get you. Whatever you want to do, like, there's not many people in life that could say they've been given a free pass to just be anarchist <laughs> for a week. No, and, that, and that's real, right? That'd probably be, like, living back in the Old West days and you were like, say, uh, wild, like you were a rebel Wild West dude, like Jesse James or or some dude that literally went town to town yeah. and you just pillaged and destroyed stuff. And people just like saw you coming and just like kept, like got out of the way. And that, and that like pretty much what happened. <laughs> like, dude, I remember so many crazy things. Like we'd be going down the road and like anyone that messed with us, like we were like cutting people off, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And like dudes would just like be starting stuff. And like those dudes would roll up and like people would literally turn like white like they were so scared you know like like it'd be like, <laughs> like it was so <laughs> such an abuse of power dude and, and uh but yeah it was like <laughs> that was one of those things i guess if we didn't you go back home and you're just like man i did with that really all just happened you know it was like i just remember those yeah. was it was it weird to go back to being a normal <laughs> yeah, person yeah. oh dude for sure we come back fly back on the i remember we fly back on those long flights and you get back home, you're like, okay, now we're back to reality. Like, we have to, like, act civilized back home. We can't get away with this stuff. So, yeah, oh, it was a big culture shock for sure. 
dude that's so good <laughs> yeah nah that's awesome yeah. man um so that um that one hour podcast with trav that you yeah. did so that was like the longest you'd sat down and actually spoke to him ever. yeah that was the longest and uh, we actually i'm glad we did that because we actually formed i think a respectful more of a respectful bond you know because i always respected him out of his writing skill once i got past the the anger part of him winning every event no matter what even if he crashed he still would win you know like the night i did the 360 before him <laughs> at la coliseum i did the 360 one of the gnarliest tricks ever in freestyle motocross for the first time at the la coliseum same place i won the supercross and uh did the did it before him in his run and he goes out and does it in his run because he had to kind of once because i already kind of laid down that 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 level and he went out and did it and crashes trying it and then he's like time out time out and i'm like man that's bullshit and and uh anyway they give him a time out let him do it again and he lands it the next time which of course you know and uh and i'm like oh, i was so mad but then again i'm like you know what it's not about the gold medal dude that night it was just about me doing this trick and doing it before he did finally i finally like one-upped him out of our whole career of him always one-upping me and i was like i finally got him that night so that he know he knows <laughs> he knows so yeah that dude that that 360 yeah. that you did first was so <laughs> yeah, clean yeah. dude so clean yeah and like going to that event i didn't plan on doing it i knew i had it if i like i I did it in my foam pit before I came to X Games. I didn't ever land it on dirt, but I knew I kind of had that if I had to try something. But you know, and I was there. I'm like, dude, the dirt's so there's hard packed dirt. I was like, man, this is gonna hurt. And, but you know, you have medics, you have the cameras there. It's in the energy of the crowd. That night there was like fifty thousand people. It's probably the, the most packed freestyle event ever. And and I just remember coming around to the end of my run. I'm like, dude, I'm going for it. I like, I don't even care. Like, I just wanted to be the guy that bad. I was like, I want to be. The, the top of the level of freestyle motocross right now and I went and just I remember carving that ramp and I was in the air and I'm like I this is so gnarly I was like so flat in the air and I was coming around and I'm like oh, dude I'm gonna <laughs> miss the landing and next thing you know I 50-50 the landing off the edge and because I did that because I did under rotate it and if I would have landed on the top I would have done what Travis did basically under rotated and flew off the back and luckily I 50-50 the landing and it was real soft and I was able to slide down the landing and kind of this 50-50 and saved it. And it was just like an iconic moment of the top three moments in my life or in my career. Uh, that was definitely one of the top three moments in my career for sure. Yeah, man, I, I still remember that, like watching yeah. that as a kid on ESPN. I think we had to go to our friend's <laughs> house who had ESPN, you know, to, to watch it. And I just, <clears throat> I remember that just being so heavy. And then, you know, you but you don't know, like when you're watching it, yeah. and I was pretty young at the time, you don't realize how heavy that is. Like what the era of freestyle, and I think that's why it got it so big when you guys were doing yeah. it, is because like it was so heavy. Like talk about the wild, wild mm -hmm. west. Like freestyle was the wild, wild west in your era. Like people were getting really hurt mm -hmm. and there wasn't the safety, there wasn't the technology and it was just just straight nuts and like wanting to make a better life for yourself you know 
Like, people do crazy shit to have a better life for <laughs> Yeah, themselves. for sure. And, and we didn't really have foam pits back then. You know, Travis was the first one to kind of get a foam pit going. So we were learning. Like, I learned to backflip on dirt. I didn't have a foam pit. I just broke a lot of bones learning how to backflip a dirt bike. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it to keep on going in the sport. You know, like you think of Tommy Clowers, Clifford Adompte. Uh, the list goes on of guys who didn't do it. They didn't flip, so they were done. They Their freestyle yeah. career was done. I didn't want to be done. I was ready to take those chances the cool thing about freestyle when we were we were doing it the, the tricks happened that night you didn't have them mastered before you came you just thought okay i i, I want to do this trick i'm going to try it for the first time in front of this crowd because the cameras the the hype the the energy and the ambulances are here so that's why you would try it and I, you, that's why you'd see so much that that excitement like the excitement when you see like uh, you know, say Shimoda or Jet Lawrence, that their their true emotion after a race that is so so uh, it's so engaging that you're just like you want to be a part of that, and that's the energy we had when we did freestyle because we true had that true emotion of like man I'm I'm not hurt like I didn't break my bones I landed it like that was how much energy there was and I think that's why it was so cool. Yeah, yeah, that that does make so much sense. Like you're so in the moment. Like the thing is happening. You like we're watching you experience it for the first yeah, time. For sure, and that that's very. Those moments are rare to catch an athlete. That's why I always watch the championship ceremonies. Like I'm not a big football guy. Uh, just I like things with motors. But like when the when the Super Bowl happens and the in the championship celebration after, I always have my kids watch it. And I like to watch it because you like to see that mm. emotion of people that put in a lot of work and they and they're they're getting a, a recognized for their work. And you see raw emotion, and, and you don't get to see that all the time, like true raw emotion. And, and that's very. Uh, it's it, I don't know. It's it's just so it's. It's, I don't know, it's so attractive, you know, it, like you want to be a part of that. And, and uh, yeah. that's that's what I see in sport at time. And that's that's what draws people to sport, you know? It just does. Like UFC, man, there's so much emotion there when people win. Like I, I just, that's why I, I love certain sports, you know? Nah, yeah, dude, 100%, man. Like uh, that, I mean, me and my brother say like uh, – we joke all the time like how good sport mm -hmm. like we'll just be watching like we might be watching some completely <laughs> different stuff but we'll text each other like get around how good yeah. sport and it, it is it's just so like the yeah that that human emotion that you're seeing like in the moment it's just so insanely real and you know a lot of life is kind of watered down at this point you know you're like kind of in a groove in a routine very structured very living within a box and then you know to actually visibly see that shit is uh, i think that's why it's so captivating yeah it is and that's you know nowadays i think freestyle motocross the, the tricks have gotten so gnarly but they've gotten so routine that that's i don't think the sport has kind of hit it hit its peak you know years ago and i don't know i feel like that's something then now with social media you have every day you're like what's what's gonna get the views today like you know we've been already seeing it what, yeah. what's left man like what is left literally like what i mean you've seen everything now it's like everything what what is make you what actually makes you stop and look nowadays you know i don't know the level has been the bar is set so high it's hard yeah when you said before that you have always loved to mm -hmm. learn stuff and you've you've always you enjoy having something to learn i 
resonate with that so much. Like, I'm obsessed with getting better at shit. Not because, like, I mean, my example is jiu-jitsu. Like, I put so much effort into jiu-jitsu. Yep. I'm never going to be a world <laughs> champion at jiu-jitsu. I'm never going to make a career. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, the, the act of... And, like, I want to double down even more because I know the effects that it has on my life. Like, there's all these fringe benefits that come with, like, okay, if I just really focus and really concentrate and train really hard, put in this effort, I'm going to have this skill by the end of it. That skill, arguably, is, like, meaningless. <laughs> I mean, if someone tries to jack me in a car park, like, I'm probably going to be able to handle them. Like, but I'd hope to... I, I'd hope to never use this great skill that I have essentially is, you know, what I'm saying. But it's like, there's a long tail. There's a really long tail of like investing in this skill where like my nutrition's Mm -hmm. better. My sleep is better. I learn how to study. I learn how to concentrate. I show up when I don't want to. I see the benefits of hard work. Like I could list just like so much shit of why my life is better because of jujitsu and it's the exact same with motocross you know like i'm forced to clean my bike (laughs) properly and do my maintenance and you know like there's there's just these lessons that you get taught when you're a student of the game no matter what game that is so like in your uh perspective or what what's been the draw for a life of learning um, in in your own life, yeah, I think you're. All, there's always as a man, you're always uh, you're always trying to get. You're always trying to accomplish something. I think a, a man's uh, worth purpose is in his work. You know, a man's purpose is always in his work, and you always feel good when you accomplish some work or accomplish something, and you like to get recognized for that. That's that's human nature, you know. And I think what, like jujitsu is. I've been doing jujitsu since nine, probably ninety nine. Like we used to have a fight, a real fight gym. Oh, dude! Yeah, I didn't yeah. Know that. We've been we had a real fight gym in our in our garage, and ESPN even came and did a thing on on no backyard way. fights. Yeah, and we had like bare knuckle backyard fights. We did that for a long time before. UFC became UFC like we were having dudes fight in our garage well. yeah at, at uh, where it's uh, in Temecula Nate Adams eventually bought my house in my this old barn house it was my first house yeah. in Temecula and, uh, and uh, so anyway we used to have fights in that garage and, and uh, so I w- that's when I started doing jiu-jitsu and it's the one thing I wish eh, it's probably a few things but the one thing I really wish I could focus more on because I go to class and we, I go to the uh, Gracie, uh, Carlson Gracie here in Temecula. It, next next to, to Charles. Charles. Yeah. So I, I've gone, been in there many. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done one okay, class. Okay. So there. I've been in there many years and, and I come in there and I usually go in two week spurts and then I get busy and I'm gone. And the problem is I go in there and I'm a blue belt. And, and so I go in there and, and I get my, yeah, Sick. and I get my ass kicked, right? By like, cause I haven't been in there in months. And then it's so discouraging. I hate it. Yeah. Like I hate getting choked out by white belts or even blue belts, you know? And because I'm like, dude, I know I'm better than this, but I can't commit the time. And, and so I get it. Jiu-Jitsu is one of those things you just have to have mat time. And, and you can see the nerdiest dude and he could be a brown belt or, or you know, purple, whatever. And he'll work you, dude. And I don't care how tough you think you are like you go into a jujitsu gym and you're gonna get your ass kicked dude like it's it, i don't care and i go in there sometimes i'm in a bad mood or 
you know, something's bugging me and it sets me straight, dude. Like you, you can't go in there with a chip on your shoulder. You just can't because you're going to leave there humbled. And, and that is an awesome sport for that. And but dirt bikes are relatively somewhat the same. You got to respect, respect the sport. You can't just go out and think you're the man and, and go hit the triple or go this, that, because you're going to get, you're going to get broke off. And, and so, yeah, you got to respect these certain sports. But yeah, I wish I could spend more mat time at jujitsu. I love it. Dude, I, I actually had no idea. I, <laughs> dude, funny story, man. I did my first, <clears throat> it was like seven years ago, I reckon it would have been, because uh, I'm real good friends with mm-hmm. Charles. And um, I did one jiu-jitsu class there. And uh, I was, it was like middle of summer. It was like a no-gi class. And I was like sitting back with like my hands back, yeah. you know, like resting after the last roll. Some big dude, he would have been like 310 <laughs> pounds. He got up, slipped in a puddle of his own sweat, and fell on my uh, wrist and broke my really? wrist. And that, and I didn't go back until like three years ago because I was like, oh, I'm in America, yeah. jacked my wrist for months, I couldn't film it. So anyway, <laughs> it didn't end up happening. But that was the first place I, I ever did jujitsu. Yeah, I had no idea that you. Uh, that yeah, you what are the odds of that? <laughs> Some dude falls on your arm and breaks it. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> dude, right? And I've. I would have been a fucking black belt by now if I kept going. But um but no, I mean I I just love the the process, you know, like obviously the um the you know, the shit you get out of it's really yeah. good. Like I'm in really good shape and I definitely have like a, I'm not scared of pretty much yeah, yeah, anybody. Yeah. Um based on you know what I mean? Like I just feel like I've trained enough to know that I, I don't know you can size, do, size but, um, people up you know yeah. it's all the other benefits yeah. in my life. You can size people up Oh, and you know if somebody Yeah, can you fight. can just tell, right? And that's that's you know I used to think I was pretty tough right because I was down to fight I was down to scrap I didn't care like and you know back in the day and and then I like got in jujitsu and this I'm like dude I'm way off on like any real technique you know and, and but <laughs> I think once you're blue belt you know purple is that you can handle most not any any novice on the street and I and I'm smaller dude right I'm 150 155 you know and in five nine like i'm not a big dude like you know there was a point in my life where i got crazy started lifting juicing do getting gnarly like and i was 185 and that's when i was aggro guys <laughs> like just you know attacking everything and uh and uh but anyway so now i but i look at guys there's a black belt in class there's probably 150 155 and that dude could literally kick anyone's ass and I'm like, dude, it's gnarly to think, oh, he's yeah. a small guy. It don't matter, dude. A two 250-pound guy could come in there juiced out, and that dude's going to submit him. He's going to choke him out. He's going to make him look stupid. That's how gnarly that sport is, dude. It really is. It's not fake. That's like real deal, dude. dude. <laughs> so, and, and the thing is, man, is like the, the funniest part, too, is like the better I've gotten at jiu-jitsu, I'm like... And I, and I compete like I do all the national okay. championship like I do I know that if given given a situation where like I get put in with someone that I don't know it's not in my gym we're not friend like I know what I can do in that situation yeah. but like the better that you get like I hope I never use jujitsu ever yeah I think the yeah. you know like it's there yeah. but I I think the better you get at any any martial art the more mellow you are I think the more you respect people the more you don't want to get into altercation like the more you you get better the better you get at martial arts the the less you want to fight it's weird yeah yeah no it is bizarre but so with the um 
sick segue by the way <laughs> stoking yeah. <you> <laughs> um but like w- when when did that whole like just learning like to to there's so much value in learning and just like constantly learning like not getting to a point in your life like i read i read a lot of books i read every single day like a priority of my life is learning new shit even if it's shit that might be like quote unquote pointless because there's something in just the process of learning that i i think is so helpful to a good life yeah i think it's your purpose man i think it's your purpose never to stop learning i think it's 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 you know there's people that are meant i guess there's people that just go to nine to five every day live the same life wake up eat the same thing go to work do the same thing come home they're probably relatively depressed uh and they're just getting through life man that's not me like i i want to learn more like I want, I wish I like I love traveling the world because of dirt bikes. Like that, that is something that excites me for my kids. I you know I hopefully they get to travel the world because of dirt bikes. And you know I feel like it's there's so much out there. I think people are so so stuck in this this you know it's this town, this state, this country. Get out of this country, man. Go see what's really going on. Go see how other people live. Go see how the is third worlds, you know, are struggling just to survive. And you think you have it tough here, man? Like, like there's so much more out there to learn. Like, you know, I've traveled. I've gone to the some of the gnarliest countries uh, that that are scary just to walk down the street. You don't go out at night. Um, I've been to these places, man, and seen the weirdest stuff. And, and uh, it's made me come back and really respect America, respect the opportunities we have here. And um, the, o- the only way you can't become successful in America if you don't want to. That's it. The bottom line. It it's just is. Like, you can say whatever you want. Mm. Now with the information, you can learn so much. Like on the internet, there, any subject you want to get better at, it's there. Like I want to get better at marketing. I want to get better at communicating. I, you know, I want to get better at, at running companies. I want to become a better leader. I'm not a good leader. You may look at me and go, yeah, this dude's a, a good leader, you know, cause his kids are this, that, like, I still think oh, that's one of the places I really struggle. I struggle with being a leader and communicating. I'm really bad at giving people comments. I don't know why I'm horrible at it. I can't say, Hey man, good job. That looks great. Like, it's really tough for me to do that, dude. Like I grew up with my dad and my dad always said, Oh, good job. Like, but it was always a, like a, just a word. And it, and I always felt like it was just a word, you know, mm. like, Hey, that's great. Good job. I'm like, you're just whatever. That's, you're just saying that. But uh, and, and my dad, like I grew up, my mom and dad divorced when I was about 12. Mom took off, didn't see her again. And my dad raised me and he was really, um, he was really business guy. He was really business, never said I love you, just like non-emotional. And so anyway, that, that made it very hard. I guess it just didn't get instilled in me. So I'm, it makes, I'm good at calling shots, good at saying, hey, this is our goal. We're headed this direction. But I'm pretty not good at saying, hey, man, that looks good. You did that, 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 you created that, that, that is really cool. Like, it's very tough for me to do that. So anyway, that's why I listen to podcasts on leadership and trying to get better at it, man. I always feel like I can be better. You never can be a good enough leader. Like, that's something in life. You never can be good enough at sales. You never can be good enough at, you know, at business. Like, all that stuff, you just, I love learning about it. I love getting better at it, you know? I still feel like I have a long way to go. And think about money now, man. Money makes this world turn in, dude. Now there's ele- now there's Bitcoin. Now there's electronic money. You know, now his Coinbase. 
what do you know about that? We better know something because it's coming, dude. Like, you better, that paper money that's in your hand, you better start realizing that shit's going to be gone pretty soon. And open your eyes, dude. You know? Um, so, anyway, I'm just saying there's so much to learn about it, man. And, and uh, anyway, that's why I listen to all these podcasts nonstop. I never work in my garage and just like, like I'm doing nothing. I'm just working on a bike. Like, you know, maybe, maybe if I'm angry, I just need to like cool or like have my moment of silence. But other yeah. than that, I'm just like, dude, I'm wasting minutes of my life right now. I like, I want, I got to learn something. I have to like listen to someone telling me how to get better at something. And I just think that to me is really a, like a hunger I have. And I, and I think most guys do. I think most people yeah. do. Yeah, no, man, I I think that's like a, for, for a guy to have done what you've done and, you know, like financially done what you've done and set your kids up the way that you've done to like, I love hearing people like you that from the outside, you're like, this motherfucker's got it dialed. <laughs> and then you're like, man, I'm suck at this. I suck at this. I want to get better. Like that's a, that's a beautiful attitude to take through life no matter where you're Yeah. At. You know, and, and, one, and then you get married, you really realize how suck a bad you suck at everything <laughs> your, your wife always reminds mind your ass man <laughs> my wife always tells me she's like you have the worst personality man like people come over and you like just like go out in the garage and work <laughs> on your dirt bike i'm like dude i don't like i get anxiety like i don't feel comfortable around all the people all the time right I'm comfortable when I'm at an event and when people are like yeah. oh yeah Brian you can high five like yeah cool like I'm comfortable with that but like when I'm in a social atmosphere yeah you kind of like put a mask yeah, on there right? yeah right you're a certain person for that, yeah. right? You just keep moving and you can... Yeah, you're just like, oh, I'm Brian yeah, and, and you don't have to get in-depth conversation, right? You don't have to get into any crazy, like, awkward talks. And uh, so I feel like, you know, you know, family get-togethers or, or uh, you know, social environments for me, like, honestly, are not the most, like, they're, they're not the most calming. They're awkward for me sometimes, so... Yeah, I have my moments, you know, where I, I need to work on certain things for sure. My personality, you know, and social gatherings isn't always the best. I'm more like I get like to be the quiet guy sometimes. Like, so just don't feel like talking, dude. It's weird. So what um, the leadership thing's interesting um, because I think that a hallmark of any great leader is a leader that would admit that they're probably not that good at being a leader yeah, yeah you know um people I, I guess there's a place to be cocky there's a place to have confidence you know in life there is that place um you know i think in sport to be a champion at times you have to be like you have to know you're a badass dude i just think that's the 100%. right that's yeah. the way i that's the way i that's the way i that's what i know that's the path i know so uh, that that I feel is good, so uh, that works. But I you also have to have the other side. So I, I mean I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one, you know. I feel like it's I don't know. It's always just awkward for me. I have my I have my good days. I have my bad days. I have my you know awkward moments. <laughs> just you know human dude. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. What um what have you learned about leadership? Like so, let's say three years ago you were even shitter a leader three years comes you've made some progress in what areas would you say you've tried to make progress to being a leader because i think it's really important as a as a man 
to think of yourself as a leader. It's something I've actually just been, I've been thinking about it more in the last couple of years, to be honest myself. Yeah, well, you have a following, right? Even if it's a thousand people, you know, I feel like I have, we have this network where I have a, you know, there's a ton of kids who watch our YouTube, watch my my social or our family social. I get that. But there's also a lot of middle-aged men that watch our stuff too not always by but that they want to just their kids are watching it right they're they're just a product of the environment and so I realize there's a lot of men out there that that I probably influence you know that's why I always say hey man get up let's go go work out or go you know quit making excuses so I think that you know one part I've really been trying to work on of, of my leadership is really just being able to say sorry more, you know, like when I'm wrong, because I'm very bad at that. I like to be right. And like when I am wrong, it's I struggle. I struggle with like, hey, dude, sorry. Like I fucked up. All right. That was wrong. My my outlook on that was wrong. Like if I struggle with that, man, like so anyway, and I think if any good relationship there, it's OK to have counseling. We think counseling is a bad thing, right? We always think, oh, he has a counselor, he has a, you know, a mental issue. No, counseling's good. Wise counsel. It says in the Bible, seek wise counsel. So, and, and I think that that is smart because, you know, like me and my wife, we have counselors. We, we meet with people that talk into our lives. Like it helps. Like at the end of the day, I'm just a human. She's, you know, just a woman. I'm just a man. I can't think for a woman. I don't know how she's thinking. Most of the time I think it's wrong. I think it's okay. This is right. And she's like that. It's not right. That's not what I'm thinking. So you, it helps to have that. And so I know we're getting way off the subject on that, but to be a good leader, I see, uh, yeah, no, I seek good. wise counsel. You know, I have a, I try to have people in my life that can speak truth into me because it's okay. It's all, we all love our hype men, right? We all love the people we hang out with that no matter what you say, yeah, 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 that's great. That's great. I try to eliminate those people over the last 10, 15 years of my life. I've tried to eliminate more of those people and put more people in my life that are like, hey man, like that's not right. That's not cool. Like, I don't know. I don't think that's a good decision. Um, those are the people that I think are, are that care and that truly like that you should have around that have that have your best interest and so usually that's family <laughs> usually the only people that are going to tell you the truth are usually your family so um anyway i i have struggled with that i've struggled with te- with accepting i'm wrong or accepting the truth and um so anyway that's one of the things i've tried to work on more is like like saying i'm sorry or like hey man that's a good job or you know i appreciate that like just little acts of kindness like they say, you know, like just a, this, this acts of kindness or a comment, you know, like you're like, I could go miles on a comment, you know, like I, that, that to me, that that's a big deal to like that something I've learned, like people can go like for a long time on just a small comments, you know, or, or, you know, small, like, you know, I guess, uh, motivating, yeah, I don't know, comments to people. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, and there is a culture around like uh not kind of pumping people up too much there's like and that comes from a a little bit of like a scarcity mindset to where you're like okay i don't want to i mean uh, even in like an employee sense you got guys working for you it's like okay i'll like i need this dude to work for me so like i can't make him think that he's too important (laughs) or he's too good and you know because then you're gonna like lose so like there is a that's like a real balance that that you've got to have you know but then i i think personally like my mindset is just fuck man like i just want to build up people as much as i can and hopefully that like by being really good to people 
you know those people aren't going to turn around and like jack you on a you know on something and you're like oh, i've done all this good stuff but i mean let's say worst case scenario like you build this person up and then they do jack you it's like at least you can go to sleep at night knowing like you were the good person in the situation <laughs> you did the right thing like that's got to be worth some salt just in that you know yeah you know it's it's tough you know like because i've i've employed a lot of people and uh everyone has a little different personality man it's like you gotta kind of deal with everyone a little bit differently and i'm bad i'm a mood swinger man like i i have so many different moods like i usually wake up i'm motivated like i'm ready to go like by the end of the day dude i'm like in a bad mood i'm like tired and i don't really want to deal with much and you know <laughs> so anyway I, i've kind of learned my moods and people around me have learned them that like my wife like later in the day she really doesn't talk business with me or doesn't really like get too in depth of important conversations because it's i'm not like i don't know it's just like not in the mood that's to, to talk about it like you know whatever i just have my mo my moods for sure just like most people do you know yeah for sure well man like from for what it's worth like for what i see of you guys and for what i see of the way that you know you put yourself out there the consistency of it there's never any like fucking big dips and i'm like oh what deacon are we gonna get today you know what i mean it's like it's like not nah, brian deacon's there he's showing up he's showing up for his kids he's showing up for you know the people that he's got around him and to me that's a great leader so obviously you still want to work at it um and you know there's there's something to that as well but yeah from the outside for what it's worth man i feel like oh thanks job, yeah so. I, I you know like i said we don't put all our bad stuff i'll say i say that i go live a lot on our youtube because they shut our comments off which sucks it's been like that for like a year so and i we're friends like we it's oh i yeah, know it's i'm like dude i i hit up our contact at youtube all the time i'm like can you turn our comments on and they're like well you know you have underage kids in your videos and and uh you know yeah they're like so uh. you know there's a lot they're like we've been on your comments and and they say we and I say well it's not fair if you guys do it to us and not the other kid because there's other underage kids who have their comments on, and they're like well you know we don't want any bullying or anything on the con I'm like dude I'm like was there something on our comments that was bad because you're not telling me like I'm not understanding, so till to this day I fight that fight I'm like God why, why don't they turn our comments on and, and a lot of people are like why do you have your comments off do you guys not want the drama I'm like no dude I want our comments on we need them on. And somehow we've still grown to a million without a comments on. So I'm like, yeah, some, you know, I'm like, but that's why I go live a lot. So I go live on YouTube a lot to talk to people and uh, interact. And, and so I can answer their questions and comments uh, live because they haven't blocked that yet. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, so th that's why our uh. comments are off. So I go live a lot to, to talk to people and just shoot the crap man just talk shop you know so and i think people dig that i think it's a it's something that you don't get to do like if i got to listen to eh, i would listen to james stewart if he got on and just want to talk like well, hey shoot the crap with him like yeah i think that would be sick right 100%. you know but people have talked were so keyboard warrior with that guy he gave everyone the big middle finger and said check it out dude now you get nothing and now, yeah, now what are you going to say, right? Like, that sucks. It sucks. I wish that didn't happen because the sport needs them, dude. Yeah, dude. No, I mean, I'm the biggest I'm the biggest James Stewart fan going. I can't agree. Yeah. I can't agree more with you on that one. But, um, yeah, that, I actually wondered. Uh, I forgot to ask when we were talking about the YouTube thing, but I wondered um, if I thought that might have been a decision from you to, like, shelter Hayden 
uh, from the comments, you know, like, because I kind of, uh, I remember thinking at one point, like, just analyzing in my head the YouTube channel and thinking, like, dude, it would not be good <laughs> for a 14-year-old kid to be laying in bed at one o'clock reading through his YouTube comments on a video that's got, like, hundreds of thousands of views. Like, that's not, a, like, I know for myself that's not a good place to be. I'm lucky. Like, we, we have pretty solid mm-hmm. comments. Like, I'd say 95% is, like, really good. But, I mean, yeah, there's some ones that slip through that are yeah, pretty Yeah, and, ki- you know, kids get to that, age, like, the age of being teenagers and, Teenagers, kids get pretty ruthless, you know. They start like they have their they're searching for who they are, yeah. and and, and they, they're getting their clicks going, and they don't, you know, hating gets obviously a lot of attention. But I put him in that spot, dude. Like I shared my social with him. I shared my social with Haley. I shared it with the Hudson. Like I put them in that spot. So you know, and they just flourished in it. Um, so I have to take some responsibility of that too, you know. Like Hayden didn't like say. You know, I'm going to be Hayden Deegan. I'm going to be famous on Instagram. Like, I'm going to be famous on YouTube. I created those. those. Uh, I shared my network with my kids, right? I shared it to help build their network so they would have a value within their sport. And, you know, and it would help them with sponsors and all the other stuff, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's just a double-edged sword there for sure, dude. And people, you know, it, it, it has caused issues where kids are, you know, people get jealous or they're haters and they want to be negative but you know I try to explain to my kids I'm like dude you're gonna deal with that all the way through life and I'm like you don't understand who could be this on the other end either right it could be some dude in his basement like just some you know who knows what his mental status is and he has something to say I'm like are you really gonna take that in in serious are you really gonna think that matters and change how you feel because of that you know, and so we, and we've had a lot of those talks. I mean, because at some point, yeah, people can say stuff that that hurts, you know, online. But you have to see where is it coming from. Like, okay, if I go on there and someone like, uh, you know, like uh, James Stewart gets on there and says, "Hayden, you suck," and you know, you're too cocky and your attitude sucks. Okay, I'm listening. Okay, I'm listening to that. Okay, but most of the time, it's like you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a James Stewart fan club or. You know, whatever. Yeah, we're not listening, okay? Like, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying. There's certain things you're going to take serious and certain things you're not. Yeah, and and it's a good point to bring up because it's like, it's funny. I mean, I probably, like, cuss too much. Yeah, I got the worst mouth, like, dude. That's where I come from. Yeah, <laughs> I got the worst mouth. And so does my <laughs> wife and, yeah. and, and our kids. Like, once in a while, I hear, I hear them slip and cuss and I'm like, what? Why'd you say you're in trouble and you're grounded and da da da? And I'm like, dude, we say the f word all the time. Like, I'm super bad at that. My dad says it a lot. Like, my dad's old school. You know, he's like old Nebraska guy. He says a lot of stuff that I'm like, dude. And he and he he had some health issues and he had a stroke <laughs> and so it, it took away that strokes. And when you have them on, like, I think it's the left side of your brain, it takes away your ability to censor censor your words and, and so he mm. like says things that i'm like oh man and so anyway he'll say like some gnarly stuff that i'm just like so bad but like i grew up around cuss words you know and so it's very hard for me to stop like and i'm you know i'm christian and go to church and you know one of the things i i struggle with is is cussing you know and i still to this day cuss because it's, I don't know, it just comes out, man. It's definitely, like I always tell people, 
I ain't perfect. <laughs> I am, you know, I am a sinner. I say I every day I do bad things. Like, like I that's you know I do not model your sense of perfection off me, dude. Like, do not. Like, but am I a guy that's trying to get better and raise kids as best I can? Yes. Like, right? That's the best I can do. So I don't, I don't know. Don't judge me too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that that's like my caveat with all of this is like, A, it's free and like you don't have to watch me ever yeah. if you don't like me. And that's totally fine as well. But I mean, in my head, I'm like, oh, maybe I should try and dial back the cuss word i'm like ah man if i'm gonna do this this is my job like i gotta come in here every single day i just need to be myself like and then that's gonna put a little bit more weight on the things that i actually do say because it's like ah this dude's just him and it's like especially on the kids thing if you're like i can't listen to this with my kids in the car it's like okay well like fair enough if that's where you're at with it but it's like your kid at some point is gonna not be a kid so you, you're probably better off saying like hey we can listen to this gypsy tales dude he does cuss a lot this is why like cussing is probably not the move like he does it you can hear when he does it like notice if it's too much like is it do you, what do you think you know like give your kid like a choice and an education but if you uh, i'm i'm of the opinion that you know once especially kids in school once your kid goes to school you got no fucking control over what that that kid hears said you know so if you're like you're uh closing off this thing this is taboo you can't do that what are you doing man you're creating like you're putting this thing on a pedestal so i mean it, it, it is what it is but like to to your point with the comments you know it's like you can yeah you can shelter your kids from these comments and it's gonna do them a service like it's probably gonna save them a little bit of mental stress and maybe some sleepless nights but like at some point the real world is gonna comment on your shit whether it's on a youtube video or if it's face to face or if it's you know Haley in a nascar and she cuts a dude off and a driver gets in her face like at some point you're gonna hear some cussing you're gonna hear some shit you don't want to hear you're gonna see some bad things said about like and if you don't have the tools to deal with that if you if you haven't been taught how to deal with that i mean that, that might really cause some problems yeah here you're sheltering them from the real world you know and then that's that's what happens and then people get to the real world and they go nuts you know uh it's yeah you know i don't know you gotta find mm. a balance there find a balance. I, I don't know it's so weird to me like when my kids are on like i don't just give them like free access to social media so you know like my kids get there are certain times they get to look at it and it's usually supervised and, uh, and, I, and I don't care. I, my kid, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? My That's kids cool. will say, oh, well, so is all my friends. I, I don't care what all your friends are doing, dude. Like, I care what you're doing, okay? You're my kids. You're my responsibility. Uh, you know, when you go on social, I'm going to be with you. And most of the time, they'll turn on serious social and, and there'll be, a, you know, someone will come on and be, F this, F that, you know, motherfucker. You know, like, it just, I'm like, whoa, 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 shut that off, you know? Like, so that's my natural dad reaction, you know? And then I'm like, dude, that's like so numbing to kids now. Like, they're so numb to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it times are cha- times are changing so fast, dude. Anyway, you, yeah, like I said, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you can't shelter them too much. I agree. Um, so with the with mm-hmm. Danger Boy, the 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 man, the myth, the, the boy, <laughs> the myth, the legend. Um, I think it's so rad the 
the way like all I need to say is you've got him riding a supercross track on a one two five. That should that should say all that we need to know about your headspace around developing a really great rider. And I think it's super cool, like and yeah, like you said, I hadn't really thought about it, you know, like at some point we will be watching Hayden line up at whether it's A one or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, wherever it ends up landing. But yeah, you've you've really put in and made some smart moves to try and create a really great rider that has all of the skills all the you know the tools necessary and it really seems like he does have a great mindset no i agree hey before i get in the subject i'm gonna take a piss real quick (laughs) give me one second yeah yeah, yeah, definitely yeah you're good you're good yeah good yeah if you can get through one of these without a piss you're doing pretty good (laughs) no as i got older dude like I can't hold my pee as long. <laughs> I used to sleep through the night, man. <laughs> you been nah, on the beers a lot nah, or the nah. track or what? Well, I, yeah, <laughs> like, I used to sleep through the night. Fine, now I have to get up every night and go pee. Yeah, it's part of. I probably just getting older, so yeah, I've lost old. a few organs. So, man, you you keep you sure you keep yourself in such good shape though. You know, dude. and I and I. <sighs> I, I don't know. I always wondered what I was going to look like when I was like 50, you know? I was always, when I was younger, I'm like, what am I going to look like, <laughs> man, when I'm older? I was always tripped on that when I was young for some reason. I always looked at my dad and looked at old people and I was like, frick, man, when do you hit that? When do you hit that? When do you hit that fucked up looking old look, you know? I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> look like that, man. And uh, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just keep doing what I did when I was young and that's I go to the track I ride dirt bikes I go to the gym even though I don't probably really feel like going to the gym a lot you know I still I have a gym at my house I think the reason I don't go to the gym a lot is because I'm socially awkward around people that I don't go to meet for a reason and I feel like weird going to a gym I just like I like mm. going to Charles at Icon because I like going when no one's there and, you know, and I like that, but now he's gotten pretty busy, so it's very hard to find that time. But um, anyway, so I feel like I, I want to be in shape because I want to see how, I don't know, I just want to, like, I don't want to look like that old dude, you know? And and um, so I feel like I've done a pretty good job yeah. of still staying in shape, staying young. And, like, my wife's like, man, you've gotten so skinny i'm like yeah because i at one point I, I lifted weights to be big like i at one point was 185 and that like i graduated high school when i raced pro at 135 dude and and so now i'm one yeah so now i've wow. settled at 150 and i feel like as long as i can stay ripped i'm good like i think the new healthy looking dude is the guy <laughs> who's ripped and in shape i think it's not the bulky juice head it's not the muscle guy. Like now, you see like that the the etiquette of a good looking guy who's in good shape. I feel is a dude who's like is fit. Like not the yoga guy, but kind of the yoga guy. Like the guy who's like you know like you can see yeah. that he's got some definition and and he looks healthy. That that is I think the new wave. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know I just feel like you know as no, long as you can you. stay like hey. You know, you, you still look like you're fit and you eat eat right and you don't look like you're, I don't know. I, I That's my opinion. That's why I've, as an older age, 
have tried to stay active and stay, you know, eating decent. And I think motocross, motocross just put that in me, dude. Like it just, it did. I mean, it, so it kind of yeah. blew my mind when I saw Ricky Carmichael go from this gnarly in shape guy to like totally out of shape, you know, cause I knew it was hard for him. I knew what he did was hard for him. He was, he was everything you're not supposed to be to be a champion body style. And he did it, you know. He changed the game. Yeah. So anyway, guys like that are super motivate are super motivating, man. And he's back in shape now. He looks good, like, you know. So I always just felt like I don't know, like I always had that motivation to stay healthy and stay in shape because I want to still ride and I still want to enjoy it and I just want to enjoy it with my kids. And so I don't know. That's my motivation, you know, to stay stay in shape. You know, sometimes I feel like, man, I want to lift weights and get big again. And, you know, because in my head, I still feel like that's the sense of being a man and being strong. Like, But it's not. You know, I don't know. It's just some yeah. stupid yeah. 90s crap that's still in my head, you know. I don't know. I have those moments. I have those moments. And, you know, I come back in um, my head and I'm like, I'm like, man, I just really miss that. Or, like, I want to be like that. I have, like, these little midlife crisis, like, moments in my head. But, you know, I like I said, you know, but I fight them off because it's just part of being a guy, you know? It just is. I don't know. It's uh, weird. How do, you, how do you feel, though? Do you feel pretty you Yeah, feel I, like, still? I have certain days where I'm like, damn, dude, I feel good. And I'll just put on my running shoes, like, as Hayden trips on me sometimes, like, He'll be like, Dad, where are you going? I'll just put on my running shoes and go run, like pin it, and I'll just go running, like in the hills. And if I feel good, I take advantage of it. And um, I don't miss those days that I feel good. Those are the days I'm like, okay, I'm going riding. And I, but I have days where I feel like shit. I have days where I wake up and I'm like, dude, like my body hurts so bad right now. And, and I have those ones. Like I've had this like pinch in my neck for like two or three years that I'm like, dude, is that ever going to go away? And it's so annoying. Like I had all the metal taken out of my body. I, you know, I had uh, plates in my hip, like screws in my ankles and wrists, and, and and I had all that taken out in a surgery. And I feel so much better. But I still have a rod in my humerus that's so like stri- uh, stripped the bolts and everything in it. So that's not coming out, which sucks because metal's not meant to be in a human body. And I feel like my body fights that. But uh, either way, I've learned a lot in health over the years. I've learned a lot about you know nutrition. I, I blew up my kidney and my spleen in a crash, almost died. Uh, that was my life changing moment. But I still to this day I have scar adhesions all over my intestines, so I have small bowel obstructions, which are freaking gnarly, like the worst pain ever. Your stomach locks up. Your food when you eat it comes back out of your mouth. It's like a garden hose that kink that kinked. And I like of all injuries I wish I didn't have, that yeah. was the one I regret the most. I, I regret losing my kidney the most because still to this day, I have one kidney that doesn't always function totally correctly. And, and I haven't, you know, scar adhesions. I don't know when that day comes. Like it hits like emergency. Like it'll just hit. Like I was at Bristol at my daughter's race one day and all of a sudden I got a small bowel obstruction. I had to go to the ER that night. I like I felt like I was dying. They put a tube down your throat. They put a angio tube, the one they shove down your nose and you have to swallow it and it goes down to your stomach. Like like when a dude yeah. ODs on drugs, they basically put the tube down your stomach and they pump your stomach. Well, that's what I have to do every time I have a small extru- yeah. uh, bowel obstruction. So they put it down your stomach, by your nose and you have to swallow it. Otherwise, it, a lot of times it'll pop out your mouth. Um, and then you swallow it and it goes all the way down your stomach and they start pumping. They pump all the stuff out of your stomach and then you feel, you feel like the pressure goes off, but then you have to go into surgery and have that, uh, uh, scar to hit you, scar deal, uh, cut out. 
So, I mean, dude, those are the things I've dealt with, with, with riding and injuries and freestyle and all the things. And people are like, oh, you got it so good, dude. Like, nah, dude. Like, I paid the price, man. Like, I paid the price for... Yeah, yeah, pay to play, pay man, to play. and, and, and uh, good, good on you if you can figure a way to do it some other way. But that's the way I did it, and, and um, so anyway, still to this day, your question is that: Do I have good or bad? Like, yeah, yeah, I have bad days. I have days where I feel like crap. Going to a massage therapist has been a lifesaver for me, but I have to make time for it. I find myself always making time for my kids. And I don't make enough time for myself. If I could do a massage therapist every day, man, my life would be so much better. But I can't. Like, I that's not my, you know, like, and, and so mm. I go once a week and it is a game changer for me. For anyone that struggles with body pains and, and constant, you know, soreness, is that like a massage therapist is so good. So anyway, I deal with that. I, I tried the CBD thing for a while. Uh, I, I think there was, you know, I think it helped a little bit, you know, like if I took a bunch at night. Um, but um, anyway, the one thing I've found, like, realistically that helped me the most for my body aches and pains was just staying off of sugar, man. Like, sugar is the one thing that I can tell if I eat a lot of sugar, which I, you know, I'm so addicted to, to sh- sugar. Like, I like everyone, you know. Like, I love Mentos, like, can't, like, I, once in a while, I just feel like I have to eat some candy, and, and I try to limit that, though, because it does freaking hurt my body. Yeah, that's the one thing, if I could cut out sugars, my life would probably be a lot, a lot better, but whatever, I live, you live, and it is what it is, you know? Um, speaking of the massage stuff, do you do any, like, stretching or trigger point release stuff yourself, like, when you're in the gym? Yeah, the Theragun thing really helped me because, like I said, I have this pinched nerve in my neck, and I use that Theragun on it. It seems to help a lot, and uh, I have a massage chair. But, yeah, stretching, dude, totally helps. Like, I do a lot of stretching in the morning when I when I don't, when I feel sore, and it helps a ton. Yeah. Uh, that That is the key, like warming up, stretching. Man, what a difference, man. If you can start your day with just a 20-minute cycling and on your little elliptical deal – man, what a different day you'll have. Like, it's crazy. As much yeah. as you don't want to do it, like, I'll just go in and I'll just force myself to do 15, 20 minutes, and then my day is completely different. Um, it, yeah, yeah. It, it like, huge difference. Like, don't just wake up, you know, ah, I don't feel good, I'm going to eat and go to work. Spend the 15, 20 minutes, you know, do jumping jacks, do uh, a jump rope, cycle, easiest thing to do. Get on a bicycle, stationary bike ride for 20 minutes, dude. You will have a different day. That's my opinion yeah. on that, but yeah, let's jump back on Hayden. Yeah, I forget. Oh, um, oh, now that's that's so sweet. Um, yeah. I'll yeah. actually send you a couple products that I use. Cool. Um, that oh. will just like that pain in your neck. I do because I get such tight neck for, uh, from sitting at the computer for so long. Like I'll put ten hours oh, yeah. a day at my desk, and um, yeah. So I'll send you a couple things that I use, and then another one is called a, a so right, and it's like this thing that goes. It's got like two, like uh, it's like hard plastic, but they're real smooth, and you <laughs> lay on it. It's for your hips, and it goes in and it releases all the muscles like in your uh, hip flexors and like your your stomach dude the relief so i've got one kidney as well i had one um i i was only ever born with one and then i jacked up the one that i got in a snowboard crash at tahoe and uh so then they had to do like the surgery where they cut through the 
you know, like they give you the big zip. And so all that yeah. scar tissue, dude, around those scars is just like jacked up. And then this thing, I like lay on this a bunch, man, and like it breaks up all that scar tissue. I literally feel like my stomach digests better. Like everything yeah. feels better around my stomach because of this. I'll send you, I'll like Amazon you one. Um, but cool. yeah, anyway. So with ha- so with Hayden, uh, you've, Good, yeah. you've gone Because if anyone on- out there... If, yeah, I, I touch on that. If anyone out there has any secrets like on digestion and scarred adhesions and, and how to make it better, how to get through it without surgery, I'm all yours, dude. I need more. For, I study that. I more, more. It's the one thing in life that I hate that just ruins my ruins my life when it comes around. My like I don't eat as much as I should because I feel like shit after I eat a lot of times. Like after I eat certain foods, I'm just like, oh my stomach hurts so bad. I burp, 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 burp. I'm like and my yeah. wife's like, dude, quit burping. I'm like, dude, I can't help it, man. Like I it's just jack like I'm jacked. My stomach's jacked up. So anyway, yeah, I that's I deal with that a have lot. Have you have you ever done any fasting? Uh, no, probably not as much as I should. I have fasted like I've got, like not eating dinner, not eating breakfast. Like I've done stuff like that, but not for more than a day. Dude, you you should try. I um I just listened to a podcast with George St Pierre. You know, like the UFC yep. GSP. Mm-hmm. So he was um he was talking about uh he was trying to put on for his last fight against Michael Bisping he was trying to put on weight because he was going up a weight class so yeah. he was eating like six times a day and he actually developed this stomach problem I think it's called like colitis or intestacolitis or some, something like that and um, anyway they were like this is a lifelong thing you're going to deal with this um, this problem like your stomach won't digest food like constant reflux all this shit and um, he said as well sugar um, but then he also said fasting's changed his life. So he only eats uh, food on an eight-hour window. So it, it's 16 hours no food, eight hours food, 16 hours no food. And then he does these uh, a couple times a year or three times a year. He'll do a three-day water fast where he only has water. And so, like, all of that extra shit that you've got, because we're just, like, compacting, compact. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just pushing food down, and then it's, like, up to the stomach and intestines to, like, filter through it and digest it. And then you're Mm -hmm. never really getting it to, like, a zero sum, where, like, you're completely empty. Everything's been flushed out of there. So, anyway, he started going on these these fasts. And, yeah, I'll send you a link to the podcast where he talks about it as well. But, man he'd said he fully changed his life he has no symptoms of this thing that um they said he'd he'd deal with forever that'd be good to hear like i i don't know if i could go full day i could try (laughs) like it's kind of weird you should do do it though just yeah you should do it just to see you know i like challenges like i I i'll do it with you Right, if you do you it, go. I'll do it. I've, I've never right. done it. I'll just, I'll do, it. I'll do it with you. Uh, yeah, I'm down. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I'll send you, um, I'll send you that, uh, that stuff I was talking about too. I'll just like Amazon it, um, to you guys. But, um, but yeah, so with, with, uh, with Danger Boy, the mm-hmm. it, it was something like me. We've talked over text on it before. And it's funny. Um, so Ben Townley, you you remember BT? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So his kid, his kid Levi is, uh, I think he's like 11 and, uh, Mm -hmm. is just an absolute little gangster. Like he's killing everybody in New Zealand and like Mm -hmm. he's to the point where Ben's like worried about him. He's like, dude, this kid like won't stop training. Like he just doesn't think about anything 
other than like training and racing and winning and he like he had to explain the concept of burnout to him and you know so he he's he's kind of dealing with the hayden as well you know because hayden kind of comes across like that like all this kid thinks about is winning and uh but ben's of the exact same opinion so he messaged me when uh when you guys first put out that video of hayden riding supercross on a 125 and that was when he was like that kid's legit and that whole yeah. program that whole thing that they're doing and this is from a guy that you know he's one of the best in the world like a ex-world yeah. champion and and he said he looked he's like outside looking in they've got it figured out they know what's going on yeah and you got to think it was uh pretty standard for guys back in the day everyone did that you know and they got away from it uh the only other guy that i think gets it like like that is uh fairy you know his kid he used to got him on yeah. he had him on a 125 and you see the kid flourish in supercross and you know uh and fairy's kid like i liked him he's a great guy always you know raced with him back in the day and his kid was you know he he was he is fast but he was like in the 80s and 60s and 80s i think he was more probably around the you know second third place kid you always had the the kid who won and but he was able to focus on Supercross with his kid, and I seen him put a lot of work into him, and his kid's flourishing in Supercross. So I think, you know, I don't think he, I know, he knows what to do. Like, he's, dude, this, Ferry knows what to do. Like, he does. And so, yeah. and, and I give him credit. It's his kid. He can do it his way. I'm not here, like, he can do whatever his way, right? That's great. Like, I think he's done a great job. Um, uh, you know, with Hayden, is uh, I feel like, okay we want to do it we want to do it our way kind of our way but it's been done before i'm not saying you know like nothing new but it, it you know hayden came up has won you know everything you know him and dax and bennick have always kind of had these battles and they come together to race and they've you know kind of split wins and um either way hayden's you know won his class quite a bit and he's come to a point where last year he won loretta's on an 85 the year before that on a 65 well what comes next what comes next after 85 right super mini right as far as i know that's the class that comes next so that's what he's gonna race this year well the the thing is everyone's like oh he's on a super mini he's too big or he's just cherry picking it's just too easy i'm like you know what dude we are following what every rider came before him has done okay some kids grow a ton when they hit puberty or hit their you know 14 15 years old and they get 5 10 5 11 and they go to one they have to go to 125 um so but for me, I'm like, dude, the kid's five four, five five. Like, he's not too tall. He gained a lot, he got a lot of muscle mass, which I'm glad because you, I think that's great for racing and protection of your skeleton, of your you know, skeleton structure. It's great to have a bunch yeah. of muscle. And so, anyway, he's one thirty five, and he's five four, five five. He is fine on a super mini. There's kids that have been six foot that have won loretta's on a super mini so um so anyway i'm still like to be honest kind of torn in between does he race a 125 or super mini at loretta's whatever the future is what's important like my future for goals for hayden is do be good at supercross because i'm a worried dad i when he rides that supercross check i don't want to be pulling my hair out going oh my gosh i'm so nervous you know i want to go he's got this like he's been doing it since he was a little kid like he's been riding supercross because for some reason in america we put supercross on as the top of the game in america supercross is the biggest form of dirt bikes but yet we race motocross as amateurs the whole time this is weird what are we doing 
Why are we teaching our kids motocross when we want them to be supercross stars? And we're wondering why they all get hurt. We wonder why there's so many injuries when they do they start when they're lights riders. Uh, well, that's fine. That that the structure can be that way. I can't control that, but I can control what my kid does. So I'm gonna put him on supercross. I'm gonna move him up when I feel it's safe. Oh, why is he not on a big bike? Why is he not on a 250F? Yeah, he could go ride a 250F right now. No problem. All day. He could be competitive. He might actually win on it too. I don't know. Am I ready for him to get thrown off right now on a 250F uh, speed and weight? No. Do I do I want to see my kid hit the mat at like you know 60 miles per hour on a rough track instead of 30 on a super mini or you know whatever? Like no, I'm not ready for that. You know, and and either is he. What what I think a rider needs is they need to be built over time. And what messes up my plan? What messes up anyone's plan? Injuries, right? Isn't that what slows mm. up your plan? That slows up everyone's plan. So I'm not going to name riders, but I can name some that have been hurt and hurt and hurt because they want to be on a big bike so fast. They just had to get to the big bikes. Like, okay, cool, man. Well, we'll see you guys at the starting gate at Supercross, right? We're all going to meet one day. Like, how we get there, who cares? Why do you care how we get there? Like, all I care is my day. One day my kid will line up. God willing, at, at at A1, at whoever, it may be F1, it may be Florida 1, I don't know, right? Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever it is. He lines up and he's ready. And I'm confident. I'm in the stands going, man, this kid's got it. Like, he's going to be okay. He's going to be safe. You know, is he going to win the race? Uh, I, I don't know. Is, is he going to be safe? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. You know, that's my goal as a dad is to get him there with the least amount of injuries as possible. Yeah, we can stack trophies, cool. Like, whatever. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about my kid going to Supercross with the less scars on his body. You know, and, and that's kind of where I'm yeah. at, man. That's where I'm at. Is he going to be big on a Super Mini at Loretta's? Hell yeah, he's going to be big. You know? <laughs> is Am I going to feel safer on a, on a Super Mini than a 250F at Loretta's? Yeah, I am. And that's just my opinion. You know, so uh, that, you know, I know I get it. I get the negatives all the time on social media. Oh, the kid's a cherry picker. They do that. I, I was like, cool, right on, dude. Like, that's my kid. Like, I'm going to, we're going to do it how we feel. If Hayden said, I don't want to ride a super mini dad, like, I don't feel comfortable on it, I'd be like, cool, dude. Let's go. Let's, we got work to do. Let's go. We're going to get on a big bike, but we're going to take it at our pace and we're going to do work. Like, and I'll let you know when I feel you're say you're safe to do this, like this level, yeah. like whatever, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, but we're, we're, we're running at our pace. We're doing what we need and we're putting a lot of focus into supercross. And, and I think you guys are going to see a generation of riders that you've, that have ridden supercross since they've been kids. And I think you're going to see, uh, see yeah. a lot of badasses, dude. You're going to see a level get even higher than it is now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm definitely excited for that, you know, the future in, in that sense. And what do you think about, so like if we go off, you know, history, we've only got to look at, let's use Ryan Villapoto and Michael Essie, and then let's use, uh, let's use Adam Cincerello and Cooper Webb. What, what's your take on like the kids that always win as an amateur, not really winning as a pro? So you said Cooper and like, Webb is that and something where with with <laughs> what other two? Yeah. And then you got Alessi and Villapoto. <laughs> so if we're talking titles, we're talking uh, Villapoto, one of the greatest of all time, 
uh, Cooper Webb, two Supercross, three Supercross champions, championships, and they were both like you know the second fiddle dudes as amateurs yeah. to like these guys that they're now beating. So it's like you know you do you, the. In my head, if I'm like, I've, I've got a kid that's like wants to mm-hmm. do that, I'm like, dude, don't even trip on women. Like, yeah. be the fucking second place, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, bullshit. Yeah, there's a long, there's a long, no, but you, you know what I mean? There's like a long game to play here where it's like, okay, not don't try and win, but it's like, hey, man, winning, winning these Loretta's titles, winning, like, what matters is a 450 championship. See what Cooper Webb's about to do? that's that's what matters and it's like you know do you do you have that perspective in mind yeah but i promise you <clears throat> when those guys were racing uh when villapoto and uh cooper Webb were racing they didn't want to get second dude they were trying to win you know what i'm saying so that's yeah, not sure. that's not planned right like like uh since Rillo had the good nah. bikes and he had the support and he probably was faster at the time i don't know like you know, he probably was more advanced or had a little better skill set. Uh, some people f- bloom at different times, you know, and and uh, so and Alessi, yeah, he he won the championships. He he had his ways of figuring out how they were gonna win all those amateur races, and and I wish one day he would sit down and tell me all his tricks, man, because the dude was a badass. Like 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 uh, you know, I give him credit for that. But whatever happened in their training regimen, he wasn't able to carry that into the pro ranks. And I, I can't I can't say to what that was. You know, I can't I don't I don't know why, you know, mentally he it was a mental thing. I don't know why mentally he didn't carry that winning yeah. winning, you know, was he not easy was it not easy enough to win when he turned pro and they and then that he couldn't overcome that? Trust me, I think of all this stuff. Like I, I think of my kid. Yeah, he's a. Yeah, he's a, oh, he's, I know you do. It's yeah, so, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, is my kid winning? You know, everything. Well, winning. You know, a lot of his races now, and, and when he goes pro, it's gonna be a lot harder. He's not gonna win races when he turns pro right off the bat. Is you know, you know, and, and like Ricky Carmichael told me, uh, and when we were talking, he's like, he's like, you understand? Some guys turn pro and they'll never win another race. And I was kind of hit me. I'm like, dude, that's crazy because that's real. You know, I'm like, like, I don't like my daughter. She won a lot of off-road races. She turned in NASCAR. She hasn't won a race since, you know, and, um, it, at the high levels of NASCAR, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, but my point with that Which is, isn't, that's not like a, that's not a, not, that's not a negative thing. Like the level, like you're yeah. at the absolute top now. Like you, it, it ain't easy to win. No, it's not. There's a lot of stuff that comes into that. And, it, you know, you uh, I get what you're saying. There, there's like the, the handmakers, the guys that didn't have a lot coming up, and all of a sudden you give them a lot, and they're like, wow, man, this is great. I'm flourishing. I'm going to take this to the bank, and I'm going to, you know, work my ass off. I finally got it. So what happens when the kid has it his whole career? Is, is he is he, when he goes up against those other kids is he still gonna be able to outwork them and is he still gonna be able to beat those dudes who are super hungry and it's super appreciative of what they have huh trust me I think of that all the time dude like but here's mm. my other side to it we go to race I I love racing I love having the best equipment because man i'm i'm competitive man and and, and i love having mm. the, the fastest because i don't go to my motor guy and say hey dude let me um pay to build this motor and give me a, a decent one like no i'm like how much does it cost to have the best like because 
I didn't have yeah. that as a kid, man. Like, I think that shit's dope. Like, like show me the dino sheet that's ridiculous. Like, show me the dino sheet that I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know? Like, and, and, and like, cause I'm into, the, like, I love that stuff, dude. And, and um, you know, my kid just deals with it, dude. Trust me. My kid ain't in there going, oh, dad, like, let's spend the most money possible and give me the best bike in the world. He ain't saying that. You know, like, like I, I'm probably creating this, whatever you want to say, whatever it is. But, um, yes, can a kid win and be an amateur champ, multi-time amateur champion, the kid to beat, and carry that into his pro ranks and keep it going? I don't know. Ricky Carmichael did. Uh, James Stewart did. Mm. Uh, you know, um, you know, it, it, yeah, I think it can be done. Cincerillo, I, I like the guy. I think he he's he's great. I think he's a, a good for the sport. He's a great speaker, great personality. Um, my my opinion on what what happened when he went pro is you know I think of this because my kids going you know in these paths somewhat. So uh, my opinion when he turned pro, I feel like my opinion. I wasn't there, but like they're they're at the test tracks and they're clicking the stopwatch. You're like, damn, this dude's just as fast as all the dudes who are kicking ass at the test tracks you know he's yeah. he's this kid's ripping um he's ready to race man let's throw him out there someone made that call and really was he really ready to go to with the big dogs on the gate like at 16 17 um did he move up too quick I, I, that's what it looked like to me it looked like he you know was not probably mentally ready to race with the men you know and and uh so and it took him a few years to go yeah okay i'm ready you know, his body still had to mature. He changed to a man before our eyes, and he was still a kid when he lined up to race Supercross. He probably didn't even have hair on his nuts. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not being, I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying, dude, I seen no, him turn no, to a right. man at like about 18, 19 years old. I, whoa, he turned into a big dude. You know, he was riding, what, what was he, like in the lights class two, three years in? And he, he was like, whoa, that guy got big. Okay. Yeah. I think for my kid if i have a choice i would like him to, to be that big man body size when he races super rookie season rookie yeah. season i want to yeah. see him like when i look at jet lawrence i stand next to him he's a pretty big dude like he's not a kid like he's not a little kid like um so yeah i know my that's my opinion on that you know everyone flourishes at different times um and, you know trust me cincerillo or or uh michael lessie like they didn't and other amateur champions, they, you know, they go through their career doing what they're what they're supposed to do. They're winning. They're doing what their team wants them to do. They're yeah. doing what their dad wants them to do. They're they're doing it, man. Like they're they're winning. That's not they, they didn't not like they didn't like that wasn't their choice. They're just doing the best they could, and that's what I feel my kids doing and other kids are doing. They're trying to win, and um, and they're gonna get to their pro career. Will that will that affect him? Will will no? But I think what him winning is going to do, it's going to put him on the best team he can be on. The team of probably his, I wouldn't say his choice, maybe, but of our choice. You know, let's be real about it. And and, and we're he's going to have the best shot possible to put around the best people to put him in the best position to be a champion. You know, like thank you, yeah. thank you that we were a, like we're grateful that we're able to be in that position, man. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have put in just as much money as I have, just as much work as I have, and haven't had the same results. We're super blessed yeah. that my kid has the talent and the drive, 
and the work ethic to, and I have the ability financially to put them in that position. Dang, I mean, dang, we understand that that's a huge, huge honor, and uh, we, we respect that. Like, I am excited to be in that position, you know? Um, so, I mean, don't think we take that for granted. Um, so, but... You know, there's still a long road to go, dude. We're just talking amateur racing. This shit ain't shit, yeah. man. It ain't shit. It don't mean shit. Yeah. Like when I when I went and I talked to Jason Anderson, he's like, dude, I won like eleven amateur titles, bro. Like what whatever his number was at Loretta's. He's like, you know what that mattered when I lined up at Supercross? It didn't mean shit. He's like, that didn't matter at all. I'm like, Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get it because I was in a meeting at Star Valley Yamaha when I sponsored that team back in the day. A lot of people don't know that. And I sat in those meetings oh, with yeah, Jason yeah, Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Like people don't know this, dude. Like I was part of that. I was sponsoring those teams back in the day, and uh, Jason Anderson came in for a job. He couldn't. Like no one wanted to hire him. Remember that year when no one wanted him. Like no, yeah. uh, sorry, no one wanted yeah. to hire him. And Mike Craig, our uh, uh, Christian Craig, came in for a meeting too. He was like, those dudes were looking for rides, man. They couldn't even get a ride. Like they were looking. Like you know, that was not a full full blown factory that wasn't let's just say that wasn't your first choice as a rider like to come to star valley yamaha back in the yeah day, right um so um but anyway yeah. i saw these dudes at their levels and these dudes like like had won loretta's a ton of times you know so does it matter you know like i i, I don't think i don't know but does it get you a ride does it help you put in a good position yes but with the day you turn pro, yeah. you better be ready, man. You better be ready because they're going to give you about a year, maybe two if you're lucky, to show what you got. And if you don't, guess what, man? That was cool. You just raced 15 years of your life. Later. Like, uh, on to the yeah. next guy. Yeah. It's cutthroat, bro. I get it. Like, we don't. let's not hide that. Let's not pretend that, that that's not the truth. So why wouldn't we put that into consideration when we pick the team we want to ride for when we pick where i'm going to put the last 15 years of my life and millions of dollars i i mean hundreds of thousands of dollars if not in the seven figures of of amateur racing which was great time spent i i like even if my kid doesn't make it in the pros we spent a lot of great times together bro like that's why I say, hey, when I see parents yelling at their kids and, and you know, ah, blah, 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 throwing the bike on the ground, this, that, trust me, I have that anger too at times. And, but I look at that, man, I'm like, bro, these are times, like if you don't make it in this sport, which only .001% are going to make it in this sport at that amateur racing, and, and you got to look back and go, bro, I spent a lot of quality time with my kid, man. Do you want that quality time to be like where yeah. your kids are like, my dad's a dickhead, man. Like, yeah, my dad yelled at me every race. I was I was a 10th place kid, man. I, what do you think I was going to win the damn race? Like, like you know you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to look at those days. Like, that's time well yeah. spent. I go to the races with, you know, Hudson, man. He's he he's barely makes it through the qualifier. And I'm like, dude, we laugh and have fun with it. And, and uh, you know, like, I'm not, like, throwing his bike out the motorhome or on the ground, you know. Like, I have both, <laughs> both ends of the spectrum, dude. Um, so, anyway, I'm just trying to speak from, you know, being around the sport for a long time. But going to the pro ranks, like, with Hayden, like, you know, like I said, his is as loud. I mean, I don't care. I'll talk about it. Like this is his year. His years. His contracts up, man. Like we, you don't think we strategize this? You don't think I don't know like the game and how the system works? You know, like like um. And we have a lot of ton of respect for KTM, man. They picked him up. Mike Sleater was the one who sponsored Hayden on Orange Brigade the first time when he was on a Cobra. They said, yeah, we want to pick him up, and he had to race uh, the KTM or he went to the KTM 50, and he's been with KTM since he's been a little kid. 
And, and we, I respect that. I honor that. You know, I respect that they have helped us this many years, 100%. But, um, you know, like I've told them, and I've told everyone, I'm going to put Hayden in the best place possible to win a championship. And, and, and that's what we're everyone's in this for, right? So what do championships do? They sell bikes. Well, who, what do the factories want? Mm. They want to sell more bikes. Like, that's what the job is. So, at the end of the day, I think Hayden Deegan has sold a lot, probably has sold a lot of dirt bikes. I don't know. Like, in the last, you know, few years, I think I, he's, I would agree. Right? right? So, man, I feel like that, I get it. People help amateurs all through their career for one day to have this payoff. One day, they're going to race pro and they could win a championship and they're going to sell dirt bikes for us. Let's be honest. That's, that's what the job is that's what we that's what it's all about you know so i think like you know we there's a new generation right now we we do social media now that just came around in the last you know decade and kids are selling dirt bikes now earlier than the pro ranks so um you know like hayden i feel like he sold some dirt bikes to some kids over the years some kids have bought ktms because they have watched the youtube channel or watched the social media and i think we have done done our part I, I i know i think we've done our part i've invested a lot of money in that social to help our sponsors benefit and and, you know, and so i think that helps when we go to make a decision of what team to race for in the future i think you know i can't look back at it like well we helped you all these times to get this payoff at the end of the end of the road and i think we've been patting each other on the back the whole way man like i do i don't want to sound like rude or you know this that but i think we've done our fair share and i and i respect people who have helped us along the way like i said i love ktm i love what they've done for us they, you know and i want to be there we want to be there 100 percent. that's it like so and hayden does hayden's like i asked hayden i'm like what do you think man i go can you win like you think you could win uh on on uh husky gas gas ktm because that's where you're at he, he looked at me he's like yeah I think I could win I think I could win on that bike and I'm like alright man like that's what I want to I want to hear it man because you're the one riding it not me dude and, and so these are serious conversations yeah. man I've invested a lot in this in, in, in our in our racing world in this career and at the end of the day yeah we, we enjoyed the ride but like I wanted to see my kid win a championship dude and, and if if you know if they can provide that cool let's do it man I'm all in I'm all in so and, and that's the tough road we're at right now, you know. And and, and I know they can yeah. do it, bro. They do it in the 450 class, man. They they kick ass in the 450 class. Oh, the 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 yeah, the KTM. You can win on a KTM. You can win on a KTM. You can win on a Honda. You can win on a Kawasaki, and you can win on a Yamaha. I will say, like my personal. Have you ever ridden a K, uh, the YZ 250F? No. <laughs> It's the only dude, bike I haven't ridden. Like it's, yeah, it's the only dude, bike I haven't. Dude, you should just you should just ride one, dude. They're really <laughs> good, like really, really good. Really? So I ride KTM. I got a KTM 350. Like that's yeah. what I own. But yeah, I would 100% get a KTM uh, a YZ 250F as well. They're a really great bike. There's a reason why that team has done so well that they just every now and again, man, a manufacturer just nails a motorcycle, and that was that was it. So how long do you think that's going to last? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, did they just get lucky? 
because no one's been able to win on the 450 but that 250 like that 250 is honestly like the best i've ever ridden a motorcycle was in new zealand on a stock yzf 250 that townley gave me and like i was blown away when i rode it i was like holy shit this bike's crazy good and i'm not that good of a rider you know Mm. what i mean so but i mean you get to that factory level i don't think that um i mean they can really do anything like depending on the lane that you that you're in um you know you're on a factory ktm team i think you guys are in like this is one of my questions for you um that i would love to know is like i i i wondered if you would have even said like we kind of don't need a factory team like we we could i'm sure you could get a factory bike and you could get factory shit and you could run you know Deegan 38 and you could have Dax as his teammate and you could run the program and build a program around him um or you could take your pick of the best team like I wondered genuinely what you'd do but but I've thought about that whole team thing and doing it yourself and it's like I don't know maybe it's not the move maybe maybe it is the move to just like go hey I've I've done what I can for 15 years and Roger DeCosta, you seem to know what you're doing. Mitch Payton, you seem to know what you're doing. Tyler Keefe, you seem to know what you're doing. You know, here you go. Here's this kid that, you know, make him into a champion. I've done my best. Or you try and keep control. Like, I don't know. You guys are in, you're in a unique position where, like, you don't even need a ride. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, we've built a lot of relationships over the years. And, you know, Chad Reed's done it. He's done his own team, you know. And I've thought about that. You know, you're, you're, what, what if we could bring forward into the sport what if we you know did a mm. you know a ford um you know say monster ford uh you know all the sponsors we have a lot of relationships you know a lot of people that probably would come on board and bring a lot of you know endemic outside sponsors to the sport it'd probably be a good thing but i always think too do i really need that another thing on my plate do i need another deal like on my plate when i could just say okay we did our work now it's time for me to kick back and well, you know watch from the stands from a suite and see, watch my kid race for a team if that happens you know and um trust me all those things go through my head but i'm like i don't know man oh I, dude for sure I, I i appreciate what people have done to me i try to have loyalty but then again, I do, I'm a realist too, man. Like, I know if my kid doesn't do good for two years, they don't, he's gone. Like, I, I get it, dude. Like, yeah. I see, you know, like, there ain't no secret to it. Like, so, but I think, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think, you know, I don't, I don't know. Trust me, we're at a gnarly crossroads, dude. And, and, uh, yeah. You know, Monster's been great to me. I was their first athlete. Like that's I w- that's w- your big problem. <laughs> big problem. That's your dude. big that's your big that's your big problem, dude. So yeah. you go to you go to I'm not I'm not telling you anything you don't know. <laughs> you go to Star Yamaha, you keep Monster, you keep Thor. Um you've been that's one of the impressive things about you. I think that like if you don't know you at all and if you got like no connection and but all you've got is you can look back at this timeline of photos of Brian Deegan, you're like, This motherfucker's had the same sponsors for twenty years. Like that's a that's a hallmark of like a, a person that's good to deal with. So I think like you t- I bank that information. So when I'm playing out this scenario of like the whole danger boy deal, it's like, all right, they're probably not gonna drop monster that's probably gonna fuck with the ktm deal 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you go to Star Yamaha. You don't have to drop Monster. You don't have to drop Thor, but you lose the relationship with uh, KTM. I will say, like, from my own personal dealings, the connection that you can have to the factory with KTM is pretty incredible. Like, you you know, you can talk to... You talk to Roger DaCosta, then Roger DaCosta's on the phone to Matty Goffin, you know, and they're just like, they know they can do what you want to do. Like, to, to be on a Yamaha, like, even me as a KTM owner, like, I own a KTM 350, I can text Tyler Keefe and be like, hey, dude, what should I do here? Like, he's my homie. I feel like a connection, mm-hmm. and I know that he's super connected to, like, the, the factory. I feel like I'm actually a part of their family of ktm and i got access like yamaha dude like who the fuck is mr yamaha (laughs) you know what i mean a hundred percent a hundred percent dude uh and that all goes through my head and i'm like i said at a gnarly crossroads you know a lot of time and money invested in in my kid uh to to make it as a you know pro in the sport and you can't skip the lights class dude you don't just get to go to 450 like you have to go through those three to five years of lights and so man like i said i i i put it on the table where do you put the kid to win a championship you know but he he doesn't he doesn't race pro for at least another two years so you know maybe three Mm. you know three is probably more like it um, so what happens in three years, you know, uh, uh you know, I, I don't know, but teams do you are, need, are you, do you need to be sponsored by a manufacturer like right now? Like, do you need to even, so like, let's say your contract year, you could just go like, Hey guys, we're just going to be like free agents for three years mm-hmm. and we'll just run like our own shit get like a black bike with like your own graphic you know just do your own little thing <laughs> try a couple different things out but you know what i mean but i would say i definitely like the marketing content side of me would be like fuck yeah digging 38 team baby <laughs> ford monster sick rig like pick your own teammates you got you but honestly like from the content marketing like that brand side that would be so sick but i don't think that that would be like the best way for hayden to win a championship and and that's what like it was interesting you know that was like one of my big things with with you is like dude i wonder where his headspace (laughs) is with that because like the move probably like if you're the parent that genuinely wants your kid to win like you the move is probably to like get as hands off as possible in terms of like the truck Mm -hmm. and like let the team do that let hayden figure out how to win like don't be super involved like dude honestly you probably um do you know darren lawrence at all Mm -mm. i don't think so but that's like jet jet and hunter's parent dude talk to that guy he's figured it out like honestly he the relationship that he still has with his both his boys and like the level of like hands-on hands-off that he is with the team i i think he's he's got like a good mixture and he's probably a dude worth talking to but yeah so i mean in my head i'm like fuck the starting your own team doing all that that could be insane the content like the brand that's probably not the best thing for the kid so but even now it's like do you even need to make the call right now like can you just have three years where you're just like we're just gonna chill for a bit do our own thing you know so my next question is if you're getting your kid to what you uh, the goal to win a supercross championship in the lights class which is 
very tough, okay? Very tough. Only a few people will ever, ever pull that off, right? Um, what do you do with him for the next three years? My opinion is what, 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 do you, what do you do to get him ready for that gate drop when he goes to Supercross? What is your best, mm-hmm. what is your best move? Because you realize you don't start getting ready for Supercross the year you race Supercross, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What do, why, once you get on a light spike, what, what's your best move? What do you do? What do you do to I get think, in? I think you guys are doing it. I think you guys are doing it now, man. Like you got a track in the backyard and he's riding Supercross constantly. I think the like we sort of started this topic was the fact that he's on a 125. Like that's huge for him. You know, like it's just purely like this should just be purely developmental and purely selfish. You know, like I feel like a lot of people, especially a lot of kids, like, I mean, dude, I was the kid that wanted like the coolest gear and the coolest bike and the coolest there. Like I wanted to be that kid because we sort of didn't have it. But it's just like, man, there's so much shit that you should be doing as a kid, like to just develop as a human like what you want to be because man i've seen so many fucking dirt bike riders that are just incredible dirt bike riders and like you look up to them you're just like this guy is insane they know they just don't know life like they're just (laughs) not developed humans it's not to say that they're bad humans that you know not a bad bone in their body but it's like dude you don't know shit about life like your probably best bet of the next three years is like keep your kid riding supercross on the best equipment the safest way possible and just make that kid like the best person that he can be the best person to deal with challenges the best person to deal with adversity you know like you said like going to third world countries like there's there's probably so much shit that happened that you could do to develop a child outside of just like being in the gym and riding a dirt bike like maybe that's the the issue is a a lot of people do just get caught up so much in like what team they're on what bike they're on what gear sponsor they got their social media it's like dude when the rubber hits the road like right now what you're seeing with ken roxon and cooper webb you're seeing a battle of two men and it literally is like the best man will win (laughs) cooper webb is like a better man than ken roxon on a saturday night you know what i mean like in terms of <laughs> helmet goes on and i i fucking love ken like r- honestly like he's one of my boys but in terms of this championship when the helmet goes on it's like th- that's a real cooper webb's like a real developed human like he can get into a headspace he can back himself in a in a fight he can like deal with crazy pressure he can get a bad start and it doesn't matter where he is on the track at 10 minutes into a main event like he's there's something that he's developed over time in his head that he knows for a fact that he can't be fucked with even if he's in six halfway through a main ken roxon's got a 12 second lead so like that ain't that ain't about the team that he's on that ain't, that ain't about the gear that he's running that that ain't about nothing that's some like deep-rooted human shit <laughs> that that kid you know what i mean like that's something he's figured out and then that's like a part of his toolbox and it's like so if you're asking me like that's probably what you got to develop more than a, a motorcycle like a ktm or a yamaha fuck you can win races on both of those bikes especially if you're on a team but like what what you're gonna need in your back pocket more than 
the brand of motorcycle like whatever cooper webb has right now like mentally and like inside him that's what you need to develop in the next three years okay so i i get where you're coming from on that 100 i feel like why didn't so i'm not i'm gonna just keep going with this but why didn't he do that then on a yamaha why didn't he do that on a four, yamaha 450 why didn't that cooper webb who he is right now come out on a yamaha 450 you know, and, and could Cooper Webb of today beat mm. the Ken Roxon of four or five years ago before Ken had his injuries when he was on the KTM 450, mm. when he was unbeatable? You know, I think Ken Roxon has a better riding technique than Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb just has more, oh, more has more does. grit. Yeah. And, he, and he's peaking at a different time in his career. I think uh, the Cooper Webb of today racing the Ken Roxon of yesterday would have a tough go. You know, and, and, but they're peaking at different times mm. in their career, and and, uh, and I look at Cooper Webb. He had that grit inside of him, but he didn't couldn't do it on a Yamaha 450, could he? And so now you put him mm. with the right team and the right support system that clicked with him, and he flourished. That's the key: is putting these riders with the right infrastructure that they can click with, and, and so. In, in, yeah. in the lights team that's been winning lately, they have found that magic in the bottle. Yeah, and their lights 450 is is badass. It's fast. Everyone knows that. But um, you know, I just like I said, I I want to see that perfect magical winning lights program. You know, uh, you know, like I I mean, I just wish that program. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like in the day, like you like to, their 450 program so badass over there. I just wish that was already mirrored in the, yeah. in the lights class, to be honest. And I know they can do it. They already do it now. KTM's badass. They can do it. But I just hey, hopefully that Brian comes. Deegan. Yeah, comes soon. Brian, yeah. I need to stop you right there. Yeah. Ricky Carmichael won on a fucking Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Um. So, like I said, I, I have all the respect in the world for KTM. That's that's where we want to be. You know, I, I love that the owner, you could call the head guys who run it, and they're dirt bikers. They ride dirt bikes. They love it. I don't know mm. who, who who runs the other brands. I don't know. Um, I know that that whole company lives and breathes dirt bikes. I love that. I love motorcycle enthusiasts. That's mm. my world. That's my people. Like, I love it. Like I want yeah, to bring, KTM don't make pianos. No, I want to roll over. Uh, yeah, I want to go over to KTM with my son. And I want to meet all the guys. I I want him, in, you know, embedded in that company to where he's a lifer, man. Like like I want to where if he wants to mm. go do GNCC, they got a bike for him. If he wants to go do the Work Series race, they got a bike for him. You know, you know, like every like all that stuff. And and I think those that next year, my opinion is, which we've already had these discussions. 250 mod intermediate year next year is a year of like let's go to europe and ride let's go let's go do some flat track let's go do some gncc let's sharpen this toolbox man let's not go win a couple more five to six lap amateur nationals that are doing nothing for your pro career let's go sharpen this toolbox and i think we're all on that same page man imagine if a rider said you know build the human yeah yeah build the human travel the world and imagine if you took a, a, a rider and said okay we're gonna go do five or six more discs disciplines of riding two wheels and then we're gonna bring you back to the pro class you know like let's do a plessinger when it gets muddy he shines because of gncc let's do a little bit of that let's do a little bit of flat track when it gets dry slick we're gonna do a little bit of that you know so that you know the list goes on so that was my picture of like 
you know, let's let's go through KTM's model of all their all the resources and let's use them all. Let's see if we can build this rider instead of going to those amateurs. That's, so That's my idea that I have, but I don't know if we're gonna make it like live that or not. And then, like you said, oh, you could just throw them at at Star Yamaha in the next two or three years, and, and you know what they do, right? I mean, there's the, you know if we're gonna if we're gonna play some odds gambling in Vegas. Okay, those are you know those are your best odds, right? Let's not we're all realists here, right? So, but there is that sense of wanting to be a lifer at KTM, man. So, uh, uh, you know, yeah. trust me, we are at these tough crossroads, and I don't like once you get on a big bike, there isn't any more like. Oh, let's. These are throwaway years. You know, he's on a big bike. He's 15, 16. Yeah. This, let's just let's idly ride. Let's idly just ride our supercross check. No, you need to be with some pros. Iron sharpens iron, and you need to be getting better. You need to be, get your ass handed to you every day at that test check by fast dudes to where you're like, whoa, I'm not there yet. Okay, let's get better. And, and that you know, you know, that's the program that needs to happen. Um, that that's the things scenarios you need to be thrown into, but then again, you're a 15 year old kid, man, in California, and, you know, and, and you're like, okay, what's my life, and 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 uh, am I really ready to to leave and go away and and be you know fully in this pro training scenario? There's so many pieces to the puzzle, dude. It's, it's you know yeah. there is, and I I dude, I don't know what the right answer is, dude. You know, I wish there was, uh, you know. Well, I think that the the fact that, you know, like one thing I'll say is the fact that you're searching is mm-hmm. so good. And I mean, it's sort of, you know, even the fact that you still want to learn about leadership, like you're not, you're searching and it's like there, there kind of isn't a right answer. I think there's just a process mm-hmm. of fine. Like that's what I, I, I always try and say to people, like if they're like, oh, I feel lost with this or lost with that. I'm like, all right. There is no pot of gold. Like, there's no road that leads to this place where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm good now. Like, this is where I'm at. The The thing is that, like, you're either off the track or you're on the track. Just be on the track and moving forwards. And then that's kind of, like, almost as good as you can hope for. Like, if you have this thing in your mind where it's just, like, there's this perfect exact thing that you've got, it, then, like, you're fucked. Because yeah. <laughs> so much of, like, life is not at that finish line so it's like just get on the road keep searching keep looking and like that attitude that you've got towards that i think is so sick and for you to say that maybe we should go do some flat track we should go do this we should go 100 percent, man because hayden dude like he's gets to be a kid now like he mm-hmm. still is a kid he's got these other things going on when he's a fucking pro dude like his first season his life will cease to exist <laughs> completely it's only going to be motorcycles and like if you don't if if you don't give a kid like him a chance to which i think you guys do a great job but man to take out that time be like hey dude pressure's off to win a couple of these titles now you know what i mean like let's go and do some cool shit like even put him in a car like all this different stuff that's just exposure of uh you know to to all these other disciplines and it's like then you get back in the grind like you've just kind of like how many dudes jason anderson he's over the grind dude like all of these boys that are like at that they're over the grind man and it's like you want to let you want to make him grind for like 
it's it's not the start of the career it's like the years before man if, if you're just gonna throw them in and you're right like when you're on a big bike that grind starts and there's a there's an interesting story like may, maybe it's worth looking up for you there's this guy you know Lomachenko in boxing yeah I've heard of the name yeah uh yeah so Lomachenko Russian boxer one of the mm-hmm. greats dude like insane he's got the most insane footwork of any boxer ever and his dad stopped him from boxing for three years and put him in the Russian ballet you know it's like that's an extreme yeah. example but man that paid off dividend you can't hit yeah. the dude like you literally he, go, he goes pro you can't hit him and it's kind of what you said with Plessinger yeah. in the mud it's like you put a you, it pisses down rain AP's just the dude so it's like I yeah I think that that's huge for you to even be thinking of that vein of like hey let's just get him out of this like grind you know for that short period of time where you still can because once you're in dude you can't dip like you get on that hamster wheel of like trying to win a professional title bro you're on the wheel until you're off the wheel you you can you're not half in you're not half out so like to you know take that time to yeah get these like weird skills weird life experience go to europe make him drive where there's no fucking road signs (laughs) in english and you know there's just so much stuff that adds to the you know building up that champion human so this is this is what we did with we took a chance with freestyle motocross right we walked away from a sport of racing and i took a chance with action building action sports it worked right boom blew up we found a new way we found a new way to make a living and, and entertain the crowds so w- w- there's always the proven way right the proven way that's worked forever for becoming a supercross yeah. champion what if, yeah, what if we took the chance and said, you know what, 250 intermediate year, it's kind of like, a, you know, like just a, it's that next step learning year. Let's go and do five or six disciplines and, and come back and, and what's the worst that's going to happen? You basically missed out on a year of grinding laps on a supercross track and an uh, outdoor track, which you're still going to do, right? You're just not going to do that every day. Which you still, which you do, still yeah. do, and and I feel yeah. like Hayden's pretty advanced in the Supercross game due to having a whole life of riding Supercross. So I think we could give up six months to eight months, it, but the, it, to go adventure this. And secondly, imagine the content that would come from all those different disciplines, like all the people, all Dude. the people you would meet that love what you love, two wheels and an engine, like that. That's what I'm trying to explain to people. Like that's my passion. Like my passion is two wheels and an engine dude i don't care whatever it comes on like whatever form those are the people i i i relate with i get you get like when i say you know that feeling you get when you ride a dirt bike or a, or a motorcycle and you release mm-hmm. stress and you don't you don't you feel way better afterwards those are the people i like to deal with and so um anyway that'd be opening that range range of people that we get our, our community and yes i think it Imagine if you're like, man, that's crazy, dude. You did it a little different way and you turned out with a better result. That's how you, you take, that's why you take chances yeah. in life, right? Um, so to, 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 to create a yeah. new path. And so anyway, I, I get it. That sounds crazy, but it doesn't because we've already discussed that path and you have to be willing to take that chance and go, go with yeah. someone who has those resources in, in which we do, but you're like you're like you said it, the, the all the most you know the way if I was putting my money down, you would just go to Star Yamaha and put them in them in that machine and and see if they could pump out a champion, 
in which they've proven that they they have many times. Yeah. But like you know, if Hayden's fifteen, sixteen years old, is he going to be okay leaving to a training camp? You know, at, at, you know, most of his year, and it, you know, by the time he turns eighteen, nineteen, is he going to be like, Dad? Oh man, this is like, uh, man, I don't know, man. I've been at this a while. You know, I and it's in peak way early. You're yeah. gonna peak early. You don't want to peak till later, right? Yeah. You want to peak later. Like Cooper Webb, he he peaked and well, it's peaked like again. You said about, well, what you said, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, you said Coop didn't win on Yamaha. Who gives a fuck? He won two on a KTM. <laughs> yeah, matter. but imagine if he never. Here's my thing. When I saw Cooper Webb down and down and out, and everyone was turning on him like they do, right? And uh, he's not a winner. He can't win anymore. I'm like, no, dude. That dude's a champion. He, I watch him wax everyone on the lights bike. Come from last at Anaheim and beat it. Like I've watched this dude come from the back and win by a ways. Yeah, he's a champion. I'm like yeah. that dude's a champion. He hasn't found the right home. Well, that, like right when that went down, KTM picked him up. I'm like, hmm, how's this gonna work? They believed in him. They put him in a in a in a working environment, and he flourished, dude. And, and so. What is that environment, right? In the lights class, that's trust me, that's that that's gonna work with Hayden's personality. That's gonna work with any of these top yeah. kids' personalities. Um, and so that's the mystery that you that you gamble with, right? It's a gam- It's all a gamble, right? Like I, that's kind of <laughs> that's the game. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. I said. Like yeah. I said, I have a lot of respect for the people that have supported me over the years. Monster, Monster understands. Like the head of you know one of the head of marketing. Over there uh, um, uh, at Monster, you know Covington. His, you know his kid raced professionally in, in Europe, and he yeah, was on yeah. on Rockstar. You know they get it. They get it. They're cool. They're like, hey, we get it. Wherever Hayden has to go to be a champion, we understand that. We get that. Like so. So That's I'm not just st- stressing super bad, even though yeah, we do have a loyalty with him. And, and you know they they do sponsor Supercross. They do sponsor Loretta's. They do they are they have the like, they sponsor X Games. They they are the company you want to be with. Like I'm not like that's obvious, but um like I said, you got we got to put Hayden at the right home where he's gonna flourish. And you know I mean that's like it's like I said that's the same with everyone. Yeah, you know what you do? You spend next year hanging out with Ryan Sipes, doing all the shit he does. <laughs> yeah, which might not be a bad thing, right? Learning how to have overall bike skills, right? Dude, like imagine when you fly in. Yeah, that'd be so. So fun. imagine when you're flying into Turn One in Vegas, and they just watered the track, and it's ice, right? And you're flat track and sideways, and you're in. And whoa! All of a sudden, you did flat track for two or three months, and you're completely comfortable. Yeah, I raced Kentucky Derby right? with uh, yeah, I raced Kentucky with uh, with old Sipes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I I dig what Sipes does because it's so cool to see a see a guy uh, be good at multiple disciplines. And that's the athlete that I was talking about when Travis Pastrana. When I thought, okay, Travis Pastrana is a quitter. Okay, he quit racing. He turned on his factory ride, and then later I'm like, whoa, dude, that dude started a whole new. Uh, a whole new avenue for athletes. He's a multi-time athlete, a multi-discipline athlete. Whoa, this dude's a genius. This dude's a badass. Yeah. Like, and he paved the way for everyone to do that afterwards. And so, and so anyway, I, I I agree. I think you know, I agree. I mean, there's the 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 the, the more you can sharpen your tool, or have more tools in your toolbox, the better. Yeah. Well, hey, mate, I've kept you really long time. Uh, let's do this again. I've 
thoroughly enjoyed talking yeah. to you. I really appreciate uh, the time <laughs> that you've given, and um, you're a fucking legend. <laughs> it just is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, dude. You know, like I said, I, I appreciate the the uh, the time you've spent in this this space, right, dude? It's not easy. It's not easy spending hours and hours and hours and hours uh, talking about dirt bikes, even though it's fun, right? Like it's your passion, but it's still a job. Is the reason there's only, you know there's not everyone doing it is because it's not not easy, dude. Like it's a it's a process, and you know, respect you giving back to the community. And I think the community appreciates that. You know, that's why I'm sitting here, dude, because I'm like, yeah, I didn't like when you called me a sellout on social media. <laughs> like, I wasn't like, this guy's my friend. Like, this guy's cool right here. I was like, this guy's a dickhead, dude. I'm like, who is this fucking guy? And, and, and anyway, um, uh, and, but I'm sitting here today because I have respect for what you've done. Otherwise, you know, we're all busy, right? Like, we got shit to do. Uh, so... But overall, yeah, let's let's go down this journey together, man. Let let's see, let's all support each other, and let's see, you know, let's help, let's try to make the right decisions. If you see something, or if your viewers or listeners see something, you're like, you know what? I see this for Hayden. Or I see that. Let's hear it, man. I'm open ears, dude. I'm open. Like anything to make Hayden ha- enjoy his, his career more and enjoy his life more. I'm open, dude. I'm open ears, dude. Dirt bikes are yeah are awesome, but you know, there's life too. There's there's other things to life that you have to have, you know, a love for life and enjoy, enjoy your time on this earth, man. It, it, you know? So I want to make sure my kids do that too. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot, a lot of importance in, in having, enjoying, enjoying who you are and enjoying life. So yeah, I'm all yours, man. appreciate the time. Nah, man, like I got love for you, man. I really appreciate it. And, um, and yeah, thanks so much. We'll definitely do it again. Hopefully, um, we can get this, uh, this other setup built and I can come and do one of these in person with you. Yeah, for sure. We're here, man. This is, uh, this is the moto town here. So we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Brian. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. All right. That was sick. Brian Deegan, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, I don't normally do, uh, outros on the podcast, but, uh, Brian actually messaged me after he he listened back through to the podcast and he messaged me and he said, I didn't uh, thank my guys enough that work on the YouTube channel. So he he insisted on uh, importing a little bit of audio if it worked and it it wasn't going to sound right if we just put it in the podcast. So I just thought I could play it for you now and it would just have a little bit more context. So a lot of people don't see how much work goes behind the YouTube channel. It's uh, three full-time editor filmers that work for me. There's Tyler, Josh, and Gavin, who uh, really put this thing together and work super hard editing countless hours and filming, having to follow us around day to day. Uh, But these guys have kept it alive and there's a lot of hard work that goes behind it. I think it's just, you know, like a, a bit of 20 second audio or whatever it is, but it sort of speaks to the kind of dude uh, that he is. And, and I guess like a interesting side note from the podcast itself, he was talking about leadership as one of the ways that he wanted to improve and that he like struggled with 
you know, I guess you'd call words of affirmation in like traditional love language terms. Um, and he said that was an area that he struggled with and then hits me with this shit. So, um, I think he's doing fine in that front. Uh, sort of just speaks to the kind of dude that he is. Uh, and I'm sure that you, I guess, hopefully would have the same opinion of after, uh, after the podcast, if you have got this far. Um, so yeah, thanks so much. If you're one of those people that skipped the ads, Maybe you feel fucking guilty because this podcast was so good with Brian Deegan that you're like, ah, man, maybe I'll go back and listen. Uh, So thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to everybody that listens. Thank you to everybody that DMs. Uh, I definitely tried to reply to as many people as I can. Um, Thanks for subscribing on the YouTube channel. Thanks for the love on there. And uh, thanks for letting me do this for a living. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, guys.